Welcome back. Welcome back to the Deep Cover Podcast. Been a couple of weeks since we've uh, put out an episode, but as everyone knows, the NFL never stops, right? Just because the season ends, the Super Bowl's over, the NFL is a 12-month-a-year deal, a juggernaut. <laughs> and so there's free agency looming, the draft, uh, actually a combine, I think it's coming up next week, right? Then free agency and then the draft. Um so there's just always stuff to talk about when it comes to the NFL. So we're here to talk about it. Uh, but joining us tonight, we have a very special guest before I, I touch base with Chris and Gary to see how they've been doing. We are joined by Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report at Raven Salary Cap on Twitter. You know him. You love him. He gives you all of the Ravens salary cap information and more. You know, there, I, I just want to say, Brian, uh, not every fan base has a guy like you uh maybe maybe nobody has you typically no. in terms of the accuracy and the information that you provide so uh it's a it's a real resource uh for all of the ravens fans to to you know have you and to be able to pick your brain you're always very engaging and interactive with people on twitter as long as they don't you know come at you with spot rack numbers uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to have you back, friend of the show, people who, who have been, been with us for years probably remember we've had you on before, so uh, it's good to have you back. How, how have you been? Good, good. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's kind of my time of the year coming up, uh, so uh, it's kind of – I kind of hate this law. You, you end the season, you get to the Super Bowl, and then it's like, okay, let's go. And then it's this you know, week or two, and I'm get, we're getting to the franchise – uh, period where teams can start doing that some teams are starting to release guys but there's kind of like that anticipation and then you get this little lull before uh really i guess well next week once march hits everything seems to start picking up so yeah and i think you mentioned um that we might find out about compensatory picks this friday yeah <laughs> if yeah, if history holds um it, it should be friday uh they usually do it at the combine since uh comp picks are now tradable um they you know they the all the conversations start at the combine so um so they usually announce them then uh, looks like we should get two fourths it doesn't look like judon's contract and his playing time and he, he missed a couple postseason honors um and that looks might have been able to get up to a third there but they'll get the third for losing Cully, poor guy um and then you know then they'll uh they should have two fourths so it's a nice little haul for sure yeah, pour one out for Coach Cully. Got a raw deal, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I think going there and with the way that roster was projected to look, what he did was pretty impressive. In yeah, terms I agree. Of record and how he got guys to play and then to get the axe after one year was, was really a raw deal. But, um, you know, once they put that rule in place, and so you could, you know, get a comp pick for, for coaches. Um, you know, the Ravens are going to be the beneficiary of that this year. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Like you said, hopefully, you know, this Friday we'll, we'll know for sure uh, what those picks look like. But uh, let me touch base with Chris and Kerry, and then we'll jump into this thing. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. How you been, man? I, somebody's birthday was recently, right? Was it you? Was it, who had a birthday? Yeah, it was my, my youngest daughter's birthday yesterday. She turned three, and uh, she wasn't happy about it. She wanted to be stay two. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I've been good, man. I missed you guys. I missed talking to you. Um, happy to have Brian back on. It's always always good to chop it up with him and and listen to what what he has to say. So uh, I'm excited to get into this one. Absolutely, absolutely, Carrie. Good to see you and talk to you as always, man. We know you've been in the on the front lines of COVID down there in North Carolina. Hopefully, <laughs> have eased up for you a little bit because I know there was a stretch of time there where. It, it was it was all happening down there for you. Oh, yeah. Saying. Yeah, a lot of relief since then, man. You know, things are getting back to normal. So, you know, I'm glad to be chopping it up with you guys. We've been working on this for a couple of weeks behind the scenes, trying to put everything together as far as this episode. So, you know, I'm excited to, to you know, bring this to the people. Well, without any further ado, I turn the keys over to you. I'm going I'm to get in the back seat and uh, prop my feet up a little bit until it's time for me to be the main agent. And, uh, <laughs> We're going to see a different mic this episode. <laughs> it's the same one that people have always seen. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's who we have. <laughs> All right, man, so let's get it going. So um, those of, of you who have been listening to this show for a while, you've seen us do a, a mock draft um, episode. Um, so we're going to do a mock free agency episode this time. We're going to try to go through and simulate free agency for the Ravens, um, try to simulate that whole experience. So um, shout out to uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. They kind of who I've got this idea from. They do a Dunk Dawn podcast. It's an NBA podcast and they do a mock uh, free agency. They do a mock uh, trade deadline, all these different things. So I thought it would be cool to bring it to the football space. It's going to be different uh, you know, definitely different dynamics, but, you know, super excited to uh, to try to see what we can come up with for the Ravens, try to put them in position to get back in contention for a Super Bowl. So uh, first thing I want to do is kind of uh, outline um, what the roles are going to be. Uh, so tonight I'm going to play uh, Eric DaCosta. Uh, tonight um, my man Chris is going to play uh, the role of Ozzie Newsom. is going to be my right-hand man. Um, and then um, Brian McFarlane, he's going to play the role as uh, Pat Morati, our cap guy. He's going to make sure we got all of our decades in a row, uh, you know, making sure we're not out here, uh, you know, putting anything on the credit card, spending too much money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Mike is going to um, play the role as the player agent. So, you know, we got some negotiations to do tonight. You know, me and Mike are already kind of pre-negotiated and you know he's let me know in so many terms that it's not going to be any friendly player deals going on tonight so you know i'm gonna have my work cut out for me (laughs) so we're gonna go ahead and get it going now we did a little bookkeeping um you know before this so all of the exclusive rights free agents that the ravens have we're gonna go ahead and tender them so that's going to be um tristan cologne that's going to be uh, Aaron Crawford. It's going to be Khalil Dorsey, uh, Tyler Huntley, uh, Brandon Knight, uh, Nick Moore, uh, Geno Stone, Christian Welch, and uh, Tyson Williams. So I'm going to bring all those guys back into the fold. Uh, we have a couple of restricted free agents out there, uh, Arturo Alaka and then cornerback um, Chris uh, Westry. Um, we're not going to um, – give a tender to a locker, but we're going to give a low tender to Chris uh, Westry. Uh, that's going to be worth 2.54 million. Uh, and all these numbers are courtesy of the man uh, right here with us today, uh, Brian McFarlane. We couldn't do this without his work. So 
thanking him for that. And um, and then also we got a few um, um, lower scale minimum deals that you know don't require a lot of a um, lot of uh, negotiation. So we're gonna go ahead and lock those guys in now. Um, one year deals for um, linebacker Josh Bynes uh, at the minimum. Uh, one year minimum deal for uh, linebacker LJ Ford coming back. Uh, one year minimum deal for uh, quarterback Josh Johnson coming back. Uh, one year deal for running back Devontae Freeman coming back on the minimum. Um, also, safety Tony Jefferson bringing him back on the minimum deal. Uh, tight end uh, Eric Tomlinson bringing him back on a minimum deal. Uh, and then also offensive tackle uh, David Sharp. We're going to bring him back on a one-year minimum deal. And then uh, lastly, linebacker Chris Board. Uh, we're going to bring him back on a one-year uh, deal as well. So uh, that's going to kind of set the scene for where we are kind of heading into things. Uh, now we need to kind of talk through some people here. You know, we're, we're – you know, up against the cap. So we need to kind of make some moves to, um, you know, create some space. Um, so uh, as we talk through these guys, we're going to kind of um, take it around the room and get everybody's thoughts and then kind of come to a consensus. Um, first one I'm looking at to me is it, sort of a no brainer, uh, no disrespect to this player at all. Um, but uh, uh, Ali Villanueva um, slated to save six million by releasing him. Um, you know, again, like I say, no disrespect to the player, but, you know, considering our cap situation, um, I, I think for me, it's a no brainer uh, move. But, you know, I want to kind of take it around the room and see what you guys think as, as far as that move um, goes. I'll let Brian go first. You're the guest. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. And he sounded. Uh, at the end of the year, sounded like a pretty beat up guy for the way he played, and I know he was he was hurt a lot towards the end. And I mean, he may well retire before they you know before they make that decision. But either way, it's six million dollars in cap space. It's you know you want to you want to get rid of, you want to release as few guys as possible and get the most money. So when you look at a guy who you can get uh, six out of, then that's a good spot to do it. So I, I don't think there's any question one way or another he's gone. Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much a, a no-brainer, like Brian said. Uh, and whether he's decides to keep playing or whether he retires, uh, you know, either way, he's definitely not going to be on the Ravens roster next year. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, this is it's one of those, you know, the business side, right, of, of the game you hear about. I mean, a guy they brought in to maybe play right tackle, you know, Stanley. Um, you know, kind of goes out there in that first game and he's not himself. So they, they kind of put him on the shelf for a while then end up shutting him down for the whole year. And Villanueva has to flip back to his more natural position at left tackle and, you know, add some ups and downs for sure. But, um, and battle through some injuries, like, like Brian said, but, you know, for, for, you know, what he was asked to do, you know, going from left tackle to right tackle then back to left tackle, um, you know, he, he battled, uh, but unfortunately like, like we've all kind of touched on. It's just, it's the business side of the game. That's the way it goes. All right. So we're going to go ahead and finalize that move. So, uh, Ali, uh, Villanueva, we're going to uh, release him. Another guy on this list for me. Um, and it's tough because I do like the way that this guy competes on, on special teams. Uh, but when you look at the depth in the room, especially the young depth in the room, 
I'm looking at Miles Boykin as a guy saving two and a half million with his release. Um, again, just looking at, you know, the young talent they have um, in the room, especially when you factor in a guy like Tyler Wallace, who does go in there and compete on special teams as well. Um, I, I think this is another kind of no brainer uh, release. So, you know, this is another one. I'll, I'll take it around the room and see what you guys think, but. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, uh, kind of victim of circumstances, his own success in a little bit in that his playing time uh, had him reach an escalator. So his salary would have been 960065 I think, this year. Um, but by virtue of the uh, – it's called the proven performance escalator. I always have trouble saying that. Um, <laughs> so that jumped his salary up to the low RFA tender. Um, since it used to be three-year rookies got three-year contracts and then were RFAs and could get a bigger salary in that fourth year. Um, now with the, with the new CBA, they, it's a flat structure, but if you play enough in those first three years, you do get a chance to jump that salary. That's what he got, and now it's probably going to be his, his way out of town, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, this this one is uh this one hurts uh, because this was a guy that I really liked a lot coming out of Notre Dame, and uh, he I definitely didn't see it coming this way for him to be, you know, his biggest contribution is is a gunner, you know. So it, this one hurts, but you know you, you just got to rip the bandaid off at this point and and just try to cut your losses and, and move on and, and go with the, the young guns that are on the roster. But he's a damn good gunner, Chris. Special teams. It's near and dear to my heart because there's so many guys, that's where they kind of cut their teeth, you know, coming into the league. That's where they kind of develop and, and, and carve out a niche for themselves and then sometimes create a bigger role for themselves on, on defense or offensive. We've seen it year after year with guys from the Ravens, but for whatever reason, it's hard to put your finger on it, but it just didn't materialize for him at wide receiver with any kind of regularity, right? With any kind of consistency. There were, you know, plays here and there, but it just never really materialized with him and, and Lamar. And it's a shame because, like you said, you look at the profile, right? Big guy was 6'4, 220. You know, we all probably remember the combine numbers. Um, so, yeah, that, that part of it is tough and uh, has always done whatever they asked him to do. You know, whether it's special teams in the run game, you know, going in and blocking and getting his hands dirty. But, hey, uh, you know, it's it's always about what have you done for me lately? And, and kind of like what Brian said, unfortunately, he's 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 played his way into this number where they can actually save some cap. And uh, by by releasing him and then you have these other younger guys, look, Tyler Wallace will go in there and mix it up, too. We've seen that. Uh, so, you know, it's hard. You know, I'm I'm, I'm like. I can't get off of, of I can't just let him go without saying a few words like a you. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. That's it. All right. So those are the two guys that kind of stood out to me as kind of uh, more of the easier um, choices. I'm going to throw this one around the room. Is there any other guys that you see that, you know, could represent some savings that, that, you know, you have a kind of strong feeling about, um, you know, moving on from, uh, I'll start with you, Brian. Yeah. I mean, the one I think that's the, probably the, the tougher, it's a tough decision, but it's again, that you look for that guy that you can save a lot of cap space, you know, with one release as opposed to releasing five guys. 
to make six million dollars, and that's Tavon Young. Um, and obviously, I mean, you know, he 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 he. This past year probably is you know well best year since his 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 contract year when he got the contract. But you know, he's he he was healthy for most of the year till right at the end. Um, but he was banged up here and there. But you know, I think he played every game. So, which is the first time in what four years? It was four years ago. I think four seasons ago was the last time he played all four, all, all, all well, sixteen or seventeen now games. So you know, it's um, it and with that injury history, and sometimes you got to think, you know, with just the kind of with with Boykin as well with two point five million. There's also a cash component to this. It's not just the cap number. Is is he worth that much cash? And is Tavon Young worth close to $6 million outlay and that risk, unfortunately, and you got to, you got to factor it in that risk that his history says he's a decent chance and maybe more than a decent chance that he gets hurt. And then that $6 million you cannot use elsewhere. Um, You could probably sign his replacement for a first year cap number of less than $6 million. So isn't that better to, you know, it's the trade-off. So, I, and I, you know, I always like the guy, you know, he, he's worked his, his rear end off, obviously, to get back from these injuries over the years, but he's just, he seems snake bit. And that's, that's the one. And again, that's of guys you're, you're thinking about releasing, you know, that's, that's again, the place you can get a nice chunk of change. So I, I, I let now, maybe they can rework a deal with him. Maybe they can extend him, lower this cap number, make, make things more reasonable. Maybe they go to him and say, we need a pay cut. And, you know, and maybe that's the avenue. And uh, who knows if we'll agree to either of those, but they do have the ability to say, you know, I think it's a legitimate issue. Hey, you know, uh, if you don't play ball with us, we're cutting you and we don't think you're getting 6 million somewhere else. And I think that's a, I think there's a decent argument there with his history. He may not get that. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of people, they say, you know, he was healthy. He played every game. But when you look at the context of it, he was banged up a lot of the season, too. Like, there were a lot of times where he had to, get, you know, jump out of the game and, you know, have a be on a, a snap count. So it it, w- it wasn't just a, a picture of health. Compar- comparatively speaking to the rest of the CB group, yeah, he was the Ironman, but the the standard of health for that for the CB room was not that high this year. So um I can we bank on that happening again? History tells us no. But um like Brian said, you know, we know he has a great relationship with Eric DaCosta and you know DaCosta took a chance on him. And you know he went to DaCosta when he was banged up and he was like, look, don't give up on me. And DaCosta was, you know, he said, I'm not gonna give up on you. So maybe it's that time to repay that back who knows but we do know that they have a good relationship there so that that's um that's one avenue that that could be could be traveled if you if you want to go down that road that's probably the toughest of some of these moves that we're looking at or thinking about for me um just because of everything you guys have said and particularly the part about you know what he's gone through in terms of rehabbing and and getting back so that he could play even, you know, up to whatever that standard was last year, you know, obviously different people are going to look at it differently, but just to be able to get back, like you said, you know, you go back, you miss all of 2019, um, you miss all but one game in the first quarter 
of the Texans game in 2020, which is the second game of the year. Uh, you know, you know about the neck injuries. And so just everything he's had to go through to get back to play at that level, whatever you think that level was uh, last year, it, it's hard, you know, when you, you think about that with guys. But that's, again, that is the business. That is how it goes. And uh, that's why, you know, people in that position like Eric DaCosta, they, they've got to make these tough decisions. they got to make these hard calls. So, um I, I probably lean that way. It hurts to even say it. I really don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and he's only, I think he's only 28. Or he might even be 27 now, 28 next year. I mean, even if 29, it's still relatively young. It seems like he's been here for a long, long time. And I guess because the injuries just made it seem longer. But, um, I, or he was just young, extra young when he was drafted. But yeah, I mean, he's a pretty young guy still. But, uh, you know, those injuries, that's just so hard to, to overlook. Now, can I ask, before you go back here, can I ask Brian about a couple of these guys? So I put that chart up earlier, and um, for those who don't know, I, I imagine a bunch of people who are listening to this, tuning in because you're, you're with us, have already seen your work on Russell Street Report and seen this article in the chart uh, that, that just went out. It was earlier this week, or was it? Yes, it was Monday. Yeah, Monday. Was just Monday, yesterday. Right. Yeah. I read it. Uh, so a couple guys, I know these are potential moves. These are not moves that you're saying will happen. Right. Just Hey, these are potential moves. So I just wanted to ask you. Um, Juwan James, do you lean towards a release in that situation, or were you just saying, hey, it could be done, and here's what they would say if they did it? Yeah, I'm not uh, – other than the three we just talked about, I, I don't lean towards releasing any of them. They're just guys that have been talked about. Uh, James, obviously, you know, he, he's coming off of an injury and then didn't and then, and then then sat out for COVID. So uh, that he's, he's very reasonable, whether, whether it's as a backup tackle or, or you know, as a swing tackle um, or even the starter, if, if it comes to that. So, uh, I mean, that the only reason I put him on there is if, you know, if they didn't like his rehab, the, the way he approached rehab or something like that, and they just didn't think it was going to happen, you know, then, then it's, you know, then he's on that list. And because, you know, $3 million, is it's not huge, but it's nothing to sneeze at either. So, I mean, that's the only reason I, I had him on that list. Okay. So Ben Powers falls in that same bucket. Yeah, same one. I, I, don't, I don't see Powers. I mean, Powers may not make the 53 in September, and then you get a little extra cap savings at that point. But I don't know as a solid, a solid enough backup, you know, uh, guard, I think, you know, yes. I think 2.5 is not, not terribly unreasonable. Unfortunately for Boykin as the sixth or seventh wide receiver, it's, it's probably unreasonable, but as a, as a solid guy, you can plug in, you know, I, I power system set the world on fire. I realize, but uh, you know, but that's a decent price there. And the last one I'll ask about, it seems like his name comes up every year. <laughs> yeah. He's a little long in the tooth, uh, but Sam cook who still, you know, producing at an at a at an effective level but you know the age and, and the money you know it's uh, yeah i mean it's i get asked on twitter every year for the last five years i i think you know and you know and when when they had the guy they traded to minnesota and they had him kicking and punting you know let's save him let's save money um i only put him on this year because he his last year was a little bit of a down year for him um and i think his last punt was a 20 yard punt or something like that um, in the last game. So, uh, you know, but uh, you, you got to, you know, it's that, that holder part of it that he and Tucker are so good together. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really, and I, you know, he, he 
you know, he, he was had his first incomplete pass of his career. So it might, his career must be over at this point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I think he's probably it's not going to have a lot of cap savings, but I could see them tacking two more years on his deal, uh, you know, at a reasonable price, drop that number slightly. Um, and, you know, and then, then they feel that they, they get a little bit of cap space. He gets a little bit of security that way. I think Bill Belichick called him the best holder he'd ever seen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, high praise, high praise for a guy who, who knows special teams. But uh, all right, I'll, I'll get back in the backseat. Sorry, Kerry. Some debate in this Tavon Young thing, man, you know, compelling arguments both ways. Uh, Brian, I'll ask you, as far as a restructure, uh, what would that look like compared to an outright release from a saving standpoint? Yeah, so the outright release is is 5.84 million um with a um if with a restructure you would drop that down to the minimum which would be about a million I'm going to you know I'm not going to get the exact number but it's yeah. about a million there. Um so that's that's 4.8 uh, 4.8 in in savings but he's going to get a, some kind of bonus. So, you know, usually when you're giving a guy an extension um, he's not getting less money than he would get. Now, Tavon's a little different situation because it's sort of a pay. It would kind of probably be a pay cut slash extension, you know, sort of scenario. So if he got a $4 million bonus, let's just say, um, and they add, they tack three years on. So that's four years total. So that cap number, that 5.84 uh, goes down to about 2 million. Um, so oh, you've brand. saved, you know, you've, you've saved now. Bonus could be a little, if it's five, then he gets close to what he already got. So, you know, that then he's not losing any money this year, but he's getting cat. So maybe that's three. So you're only saving, you know, 3.8. So, so somewhere in, in that range, you could, you can make that happen. Gotcha. So I guess, um, can we see where we are from a cat perspective right now, as far as the, the space we have with the moves? Sure. Sure. So if, um, so I'm going to add one move on, cause I think it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen. And, um, uh, a restructure, uh, playing just a simple, we call simple restructure, uh, base salary, uh, reduced kind of just like what we just talked about with Tavon, but I think Marlon Humphrey, that's going to happen with him. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I, Stanley's another candidate, but given his in, and if he was 100% healthy, I think that would happen as well. But I don't think you want to mess with that right now because of his. Obviously, you know, if you listen to some people, his you know his return is very questionable. Others make it sound like it's he's going to be fine. So who knows? So I don't think you're going to touch that unless they feel very strongly that it's a, he's going to be 100. percent So um, Humphrey, his um, a restructure would would create 7.1 million. So again, a nice chunk of change there. Um, that chart, why I do that chart is there's a section in there called projected future expenses that, you know, when we talk about, oh, the Ravens have 20 million in cap space, well, they, they don't have that to spend. And that's what my article was yesterday, trying to get people to understand that there's about almost 16 million in future expenses alone, where well, that's the draft picks, that's um, your practice squad, that's an injury uh, replacement fund. As we saw last year, they you know, last year I projected five million, and they blew by that. And you know, in the first week of the season, it seemed like. 
So I projected that up to 6 million. <laughs> and then you have your, you know, you don't think about it, but every week you, you elevate somebody from the practice squad. Um, now, the healthier they are, the less they would have to do that. Uh, but they've used that to their advantage, too, of bringing up guys in spots they needed any given week. And if somebody was a little banged up, they didn't have to force a guy out there. They could bring somebody up. So that's an expense, too. So when you add all those together and you got to remember, too, they're picking 14 in every or, you know, 14 in the first round and other rounds because they were tied. So some is 13 and some is 15, I think. So, you know, that's higher than they've been in a while. So their draft and they got 10 picks. So their draft pool alone is 12 million dollars. Now that's offset this time of year because most some of those guys will go into the top fifty-one. Some won't. So, but so the net effect is really only about four million. But still, you know that adds up with your with your injury replacement fund and your your practice squad. So you know that takes a big chunk out of everything. So if you factor that in, we add. We're, I'm going to release Tavon. I'm sorry. We're, I'm going to call a, call it a release because <laughs> you know it's too too many variables there to say for sure. Right. Um, so w- when you factor all that in, um, releasing Villanueva, um, Boykin, and then restructuring, uh, Humphrey, that gives us about 13 million to work with. Not gotcha. a lot. Okay. Not a lot. Yeah. Um, now there are other options. Um, Zeitler can be restructured for a little under two and a half. Seems a pretty safe bet on that. It's not a huge amount to add to his cap number for next year. So that's something you could do. Um, Marcus Peters is in the last year of his deal. Um, this, these are, this is more of a variable because that's $10 million in salary. You can create a lot of cap space there. It's coming off of injury, you know, so they got to factor that in. Obviously we saw a lot of guys this year coming off of injury didn't work out so well. So, um, but an extension there could create, you know, four or 5 million, uh, maybe more. So, you know, that's a, that's a decent chunk of change there. So those are all things you know, um, pretty much talked about everybody else on the list. So those are things to, you know, uh, if you guys, you know, we can, we can put some money in there and say, okay, we're, we're extending, uh, Peters let's, you know, well, you can add 5 million there. So, uh, and of course Lamar, you know, I think we all expected Lamar to be done. Um, you know, and that's, you know, my guess is that would save $10 million, you know, on his cap number for this year, it's 23. That first year, the cap number is usually low, is low because he's getting a ton of cash. He's getting a $40 million bonus, you know, and that's spread out over the, the five, first five years of the deal. So, you know, that's 10 million, you know, a $2 million salary. Um, that's a 12 million cap number and you've saved 11 million. So, you know, I, I, I I don't know. I don't know what to think of that one. <laughs> I don't know what to think <laughs> that it's not done either. They're lowballing the hell out of him, or he's asking for to be paid more than Mahomes, you know. And there's there seems to be no you know a big gap there, um, and you know so so we may never see that get done this year. But that's a nice place to get cap space. So um, so I'll I'll add in Zeitler being restructured because I think that's yeah. an easy one too. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I'll ask her, what are your feelings on a Peter's extension? I'm all for it. I'm yeah. all for the Peter's extend- yeah. extension. He, sh- he showed how valuable he is to this team. I mean, by not his- being there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, and he- <laughs> even just his presence on the sideline, you saw the difference on- of the team. So yeah. him Great on the teammate. field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. And even before the season started, he was just talking about 
how being in Baltimore just kind of reinvigorated him and made him fall in love with the game again. And, and, and you know, you, you got to bring that guy back, you know, because he's just so damn important. Yeah, he's, yeah one he's thing about him, too. Oh, go ahead, Kerry. Uh, one thing about him, too, I think that bodes well is, you know, obviously at playing that position, you want a guy at his athletic peak. But, you know, as we've seen with him, it's such a mental game for him. You know, he studies film, studies, you know, uh, route combinations, studies quarterbacks. I think he's a guy that even if he loses a step, will be able to impact the game with, because of those factors. So, uh, you know, that that's another added layer of benefit for him. That's what I was going to touch on, that mental aspect that he brings. I mean, he's calling plays during preseason games. The Rams game, he's – you know, giving guys all kinds of tips right. and things to look for on the sideline when they're playing the Rams. Uh, you've heard Wink uh, say many times, he called him a football savant. He's like, mm. he's, he's, he's a genius uh, when it comes to football. And I think, you know, his his outward persona sometimes can, can belie that. Like people don't, it's hard to get yeah. past that for some people. But people who seem to know him, uh, and, and even coaches, you know, who, who were able to gain his trust, because I think that's a big thing with him. You you got to gain his trust mm -hmm. before he's really going to, you know, uh, kind of go all in with you. But people who have those kinds of relationships with him say that, you know, this is this is just a genuine guy, a really good guy, a really good teammate and, um, you know, knows the game. So, yeah, I, I, it, I was surprised, really, frankly, at DaCosta's press conference when he was like, yeah, we're bringing him back. I yeah. mean, I thought there might have been a little bit more of a hedge, not that they right. wouldn't per se, but just they might hedge it a little bit, but that seemed like between him and Harbaugh, they both were like, nah, he, he's coming back. Yeah, and so, I mean, that, that's, that has happened before, and the numbers didn't yeah. work out, so um, go you know, they, 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 Bolton <laughs> would be the one, you know, we, we definitely want Anquan back. I mean, there was no reservation about that, and then obviously it didn't work out, so um, you know, and obviously a lot of it, you know, it depends on, the extension depends on his, his, his recovery as well, where they think he's at. But his injury was early enough that, you know, fingers crossed, shouldn't be an issue. But obviously, again, as we've seen, it has always worked out that way. <laughs> All right. So that gets us to a little over 20 mil. So okay. now we got some, now we got some things. Now we got some space to work with. Yeah. So I'm going to move into the next kind of phase. I cut the Ravens free agents. I put them in kind of buckets, uh, you know, for different situations. This next group I want to kind of walk through you guys with oh, were guys that, in my estimation, um, I was leaning towards just moving forward from. And I'll give you the list of guys, and I'll take it around the room, and you let me know if there's anybody on this list you kind of want to advocate for bringing back. Um, so the list is uh, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, running back Latavius Murray, uh, defensive lineman Justin Ellis, uh, cornerback Anthony Averett, cornerback Jimmy Smith, uh, edge Pernell McPhee, and then defensive lineman Brandon Williams. So I'll start with you, Brian. If any of those guys pop out as, to you as somebody that you would be interested in bringing back into the fold. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I mean, I think they could lose all of them and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, you know, Ellis and Williams on the defensive line, they have to get younger. 
Um, I mean, Ellis was on a minimum deal anyway. I mean, I, you know, that one wouldn't hurt my feelings on a minimum deal again, because he does provide a little depth. Um, I mean, I guess if you got Brandon Williams back on an absolute minimum deal, uh, I'd be for that too, but uh, not both of them, certainly, but one of them figuring they're going to, they're going to draft at least, at least one and probably two defensive linemen out of those, those 10 picks. So, um, uh, the corners, Averett, I mean, I guess Averett and Elliott are guys that, you know, Elliott obviously with injuries, you get to the same thing you get with Tavon Young. He's been injured just about as much. Um, you know, if he comes back on a minimum deal because nobody's interested in him, I, you know, again, I, I think all of them are kind of minimum deal guys, and Averett's going to get more than the minimum. Um, you know, he played well enough, but I think at times he certainly got exposed. He would have a great game and then the next game not have such a great game. So um, I, I think he'll be, I think he'll price his way out for what they'll be looking for. And, and I also expect him to draft a couple corners as well. So um, and McPhee, kind of the same thing. They need to get younger on the edge. They've, they started that. Um, you know, I guess, and I guess you'll get to Houston at some point too, but if you sign Houston, I don't know. And you draft a, uh, you know, an end outside edge then I don't think you need McPhee back. If you can't get Houston, maybe you bring McPhee back. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. The, the McPhee one hurts. Cause he's like one of my, my all time favorite Ravens. And, uh, you know, we, you get to a point where you just, it, it's like a boxer that, you know, he was a great what once. And you just see him kind of limp into to the end of the career, and and that's what we saw with McPhee this year. And uh, that that one hurts, but uh, you know it's it's necessary. You know you always come come down to this one when it comes to these players. And uh, one one of the guys that I, I wanted to to uh, highlight was um, Justin Ellis because I think he's a guy that you could bring back, and you know for really you know the, the vet minimum and he can give you some some pretty important rotational snaps uh, as, at the nose. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, started off really, really shaky with him. And I, I think, you know, over this past season, he's proven himself, you know, not to be a high-level impact impact guy, but an important guy as far as having a, a rotational uh, nose tackle, which, which they're hard to find in the league. And uh, I, I think bringing him back, I think it would be it'd be a smart decision. Yeah, I I didn't really have a problem with any of the moves, um, Kerry, that you mentioned. I I, I lean a little bit towards uh, the point Chris is making, just because of how young that defensive line room would be. And I know they want to get young, um, so I'm not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a negative thing. But uh, if Ellis is gone, uh, I fully expect probably Brandon Williams to be gone. Um, you got Derek Wolf, another guy coming off an injury. We're probably going to say that about a bunch of guys. Uh, going into next year. <laughs> uh, but then you got Justin Matabike going into his third year, Broderick Washington going into his third year, Khalil McKenzie, who gives you the twofer because uh, he's also listed as a guard in terms of the defensive. <laughs> it's a little twofer action with him, but I, I think he's going into his fourth year. So you, you get a pretty young room in there, and, and I know they want to get young, but you feel like you probably want at least one kind of veteran presence guy in there. Maybe that can be Wolf if Wolf is healthy and can come back and play. But I, I think that's that's kind of an if. That's an unknown um, at this point. So yeah, maybe somewhere around somewhere along the line. If it's not Justin Ellis, um, maybe it's a you know kind of that 
third wave. I was going to say second wave, yeah. but they really kind of like that third wave of free agency. Maybe there's some guy, uh, defensive tackle or somebody who's uh, got a little bit more experience who they could bring in, kind of like what they did with Ellis a couple of years ago when they, mm-hmm. when they brought him in. So um, I just think it's good to try to have at least one to two vets in every room. Because I think we've seen in some years gone by where they've been like super young at certain position groups and it just it didn't work out. Um, I always think back to the the peanut and the Kenny Young year, and it was like <laughs> they just weren't ready to handle those roles, those linebacker roles, in, in terms of the volume uh, that they were playing that year after CJ left. You just needed somebody else uh, to give a kind of a veteran presence in every room. We kind of saw it again this year when they had to bring Bynes back. I mean, you just you need that veteran presence in, in these in these position groups. Doesn't have to be a bunch of guys. Could be one guy or two guys, but you know that's. But for the purposes of what we're doing tonight, I, I, I think we kind of do have to go that way because, you know, we're trying to free up as much as we can mm. and, then you know, see what we can do with it. Yeah, well, two, two things on that. Um, a guy like him will actually come back for cheaper than some rookies um, because you, you, okay. if he signs the veteran minimum deal, he actually gets paid the veteran minimum for his, his service time. But he actually – but the, for the cap purposes – it goes down to what a second-year player would be making. So um, that's the way they keep veterans around. Um, it, was, it was put in two CBAs ago uh, to keep veterans around because otherwise they were just you know kicking veterans like that to the curb because we'll keep the young guys. So so that so that you know it doesn't even like, signing Ellis wouldn't even affect the cap. You know okay. whoever he's replacing, uh, he, it might even save some money depending upon who he's technically replacing on the fifty-three. Um, Wolf is an interesting one. It's only 200,000 in savings for Wolf. He just had surgery. Now we don't know the, all the details, but he didn't play all year. They finally ended his season sometime in, in December and he just had surgery uh, earlier this month, I think. Um, so that's an int- And I don't know, not saying there's any, maybe there's nothing to that, but, um, but he, they thought he was going to come back. He never came back. Um, he, his, his not, doesn't have a big salary. It's only $2 million, which for his role, if he's healthy, is, is a bargain. But if they don't feel he's going to be healthy, you know, it's, a, it's where I uh, come back to cash a lot. Is he worth $2 million in cash? It's, sometimes it's not just the cap number. It's what, you know, why don't we spend that $2 million somewhere else? Um, even, though it, even though he's going to be a, basically a wash on the cap, it's $200,000 savings. So, but, you know, teams do look at cash, too, of, is he worth that money? And um, there's some rumors they weren't happy with him in his in his recovery. So, um, you know, so whether whether it's true or not, and you know, but that's that's a guy who could also go. It's not a cap decision. It's a it's obviously a, a, a performance issue. Yeah, that's a very good point. And you know, considering the where he was hurt, you know, the back and being up in age, that, that makes yep. me very, very leery. Yeah. Um, but um, looking back at these guys and, you know, the, the list I laid out are all guys that I think can play. There's just certain, you know, variables at play. Uh, Anthony Averett, I think he played enough last year. I think he's going to kind of price himself out. And with the decision to tender Westry, um, I think, you know, we're keeping Peters. Obviously, we're keeping Humphrey. Uh, we tender Westry. I think the rest of that is going to be, um, you know, 
rookie players, you know, mid-round, maybe even high picks at the cornerback position to kind of fill that group out. Um, along the defensive line, um, Brandon Williams, I think, off of uh, reputation alone, I think he's going to get a bigger deal out in free agency. Not not saying he's going to break the bank, but I think he's going to get a bigger deal than, uh, you know, maybe we want to kind of spend, you know, here. So that was my thought process with him. But um, you guys actually make a very, very interesting argument for Justin Ellis as being a guy that can um, just be that guy that can eat some snaps and also be that veteran in the room. Um, you know, one of the main goals in this for me, and I think um, the actual Eric DaCosta, I think he feels the same as far as replenishing in this defensive front. You know, he talked about it in this presser, how they felt like this was the year they were going to have to kind of replenish the group um, and, and get some youth and get some talent, you know, in that position. But like you guys said, you know, you have to have veterans in the room. And, you know, he's a guy, especially a brand that's going to be gone. Um, Ellis is a guy that can eat some snaps. So uh, I, I'm going to amend this. I'm, I'm all for bringing back Ellis um, at, a you know, at a minimum minimum deal. Yeah, and I mean, you know, keep in mind if he's if he's not one of the top six defensive linemen or what seven whatever they're going to carry in September, then you know you're cutting him, and there's no, you know, there's no cap consequences because he's, you know, I don't think he even got a signing bonus this last year. So, um, you know, it's just I think there was a little bit of guaranteed money actually, but a couple hundred thousand. So, you know, it's not it's not going to hurt your cap by giving that a shot. And like I said, if if the young guys play great and he's expendable, then then it's not going to be a big deal for him. Like you always say, Kerry, insurance for your insurance. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we've reached a point um, now where we're going to put our negotiation hats on. Uh, the Ravens have some, you know, well-known free agents that have been banded about on Twitter and everywhere else over the last couple weeks um so we're going to open negotiation with some of these guys uh we're going to start with uh, our starting center uh, bradley bozeman so you know i'm gonna um turn the floor over to um his agent and um you know we're gonna start the process of um you know what kind of contract you're looking for for uh, mr bozeman oh we're looking for frank rack now money i mean we, we need <laughs> Need that top center money, baby. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, seriously, <laughs> I I think um, this is this is me kind of stepping outside of of you know his his agent's role. Um, I mean, I I think you're probably looking for something that's maybe an average of that top ten, top fifteen ish center group. Top ten, maybe pushing it a little bit. Maybe we're top fifteen, top twenty somewhere in that group maybe some kind of average of that i mean i think brian you talked about it before we we started recording he's probably looking for something closer to to that 10 million a year range so that's yeah. that's towards the top end of that top 10 center uh you know grouping but you know I'm, i was looking at otc's numbers and uh when you start to come down that list and you get to like that ninth 10th 11th guy you're looking at guys like connor mcgovern he's averaging nine million a year um, uh, Chase Roulier, which kind of shocked me for the commanders. He's, he's making 10 million a year. Um, you know, and then some older guys like Jason Kelsey, he's right around nine. Um, Mitch Morris up in Buffalo, he's right around seven. 
something and you know Brian you talked about it some somewhere in that that probably 7 to 10 million a year range um you know what that total looks like I don't know I mean I guess it depends on the signing bonus um that that they would they would negotiate but I you know you got to think that he's probably looking for a three year I wanted to ask you about this Brian actually it just popped into my mind um cuz I've been seeing this a lot when sites, whether it's PFF or other sites are projecting like free agent contracts. A lot of them seem to be like two or three year deals. And I'm wondering, is that, is this like a new TV, a new TV contract or something, right? Coming up? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, the money is expected next year. Um, That may be, I mean, uh, from PFF standpoint, I'm pretty sure that's Brad who's doing all that. Uh, and Brad is, is, in, uh, you know, he's, he's done, he's taken the agent courses and things like that. So it may be coming from, from that, more the agent perspective, agent perspective is generally as much money you can get in the short term. Don't get yourself locked in. Um, and the teams generally want the longer term because it spreads the money out. And it also means the later years, you can cut the guy with, you know, with, 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 with little trouble. Um, whereas if the, when the player has the more control, they, I mean, obviously the longer term contract, the player wants more guaranteed money and, and, you know, some guaranteed money spread in the later years. So you can't just get to the last couple of years and say, bye-bye, you know, and then I didn't get my big money in those last couple of years. So, um, so the shorter contracts seem to be more of a new wave with the agents and, and, and players are starting to come around to it a little bit too. Part of it though, I think is also, um, we don't, I mean, we used to be able to project out, uh, but the pandemic has totally changed that. Obviously, last year, uh, I mean, the cap went down to 182, you know, and we're back up now. We took a big jump this year. We're expecting a big jump next year, maybe a bigger jump, but because that's when the true money comes in. But the NFL always has a way of flattening it out, so they don't like the big jumps because then all the teams spend crazy because we got all this extra money, and then – two years or three years later, they're eating those contracts and eating a bunch of dead money. And so the league likes to try to spread those, those out. So try to protect the teams from themselves, I guess we'll say. Um, So, you know, so, so I, you know, I think, you know, there's probably going to be a big jump next year, but that short-term contract that, that maybe have something to do with that. Um, And a lot of the older guys, I, you know, I think it's, I think that's better for the teams too, generally, uh, you know, to, to have, just one-year deals. And in some cases, it's one-year prove-it deals, too. Um, so I was just thinking, as you were saying, he, you know, you wanted Frank Ragnow money. I, I was thinking, you know, this is exactly why Lamar needs an agent. Because <laughs> if you came to me as, as, as the Ravens and said that, I'd be, you're kidding. You know, and I, we love Bradley, <laughs> but no, you know, no way. I, mean, I, know, I, know we, I know you start high and I start low, but no, you know. And that, that's why, you, you know, that's why you need an agent because – you don't want to hurt the guy's feelings I, you know, I mean, Lamar's obviously a very proud person and, you know, and he's, he, for whatever reason, he seems to be a punching bag for, for a lot of national people and, and undeservedly so, but you know, he's got that chip on his shoulder for that. Um, and hopefully it's a really good motivator for him, but that's, but then when you got your own team coming in and saying, you know, he, he wants Mahomes money, if that's what he's asking. And they're like, no, you know, you're Derek Carr money. Uh, that that's an exaggeration, but you know, I mean, if they're saying, you're not worth 40 we want to do you know 38 and have a bunch of incentives and escalators for you to earn it and he's like no i'm i'm, I'm as good as Mahomes, you know so i mean that's where you know it, it's got to be tough especially that kind of this kind of deal 
uh, you know, with what it's your franchise, you know, he's the franchise, you know, and that's got to be a tough negotiation when you don't have that buffer there. Um, and maybe that's part of the problem. Who knows? Yeah. So sorry, I'm sorry very, to go tangent there, but <laughs> no, 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 that's a good tangent. That's a good tangent because oh, yeah. I think, you know, we're looking at this from, or trying to look at this from both sides. We're trying to look at what we think the team, you know, would be willing to pay what they would consider reasonable, but then also what the player is probably going to be seeking. Uh, and even I'm kind of, I was just kind of joking about the rag mountain. I don't even know if, if Bradley would <laughs> himself, him or his agent, right. I don't even know if either one of them uh, would, would seriously say that's what they're looking for. But I mean, you got to think he's probably what somewhere, if we're just talking about total guaranteed money, I don't know what the years would look like or the bonuses, but just total guarantees, he's probably 15, 20 million. Probably. Yeah, I mean, then that's that that yeah. part's not that part's not the problem because you're going to have the signing bonus. They usually guarantee as a way to keep the signing bonus down, which is good because um, now they, they kind of got away from this with with the pandemic because they just had to create a, as low of cap numbers possible. But, you know, what they've been trying to do prior to that was, you know, you'd have your, you know, relatively modest signing bonus, but they'd fully guarantee the first and the second year of the deal. And that would jump that guaranteed money up, but it would keep it away from being dead money down the road because salary is salary. You know, and once it's once it once you pay it, once that year's done, that's gone, and you don't have those bonus prorations down the down the end. So, you know, I, I with, with with Bradley, I mean, maybe just you know, leaving aside the average per year, if he gets a ten million dollar bonus over a five year deal, that's two million proration about a million dollar base salary. Um, and you're looking, you know, you're looking at a $3 million cap number in that first year. Uh, and again, that then it would go up and the years after that, it would be relatively flat um, at bigger numbers, but that's how you keep that, that first year. And maybe they wouldn't go all the way down to three. Maybe they keep, maybe they do it at four, um, you know, not, not going too low because again, then you're, they're building bigger base salaries on the back end. So, I mean, I think they, you know, and then the average per year, I mean, I, I personally can't see them going beyond eight or nine. I'm not even sure they get there. Um, I think, I think eight would probably be their ceiling. So then it's just a question of, uh, you know, is he, there are other centers out there. Um, other, you know, a lot of these ratings you see, he's not rated that highly on the top 100. Um, ben Jones from uh, who's, who's older, I believe, but you know, he's out there and he's, he's above him on most lists. Um, and he's, you know, and he's not even getting anywhere near the money, you know, in the, in these projections that, that Bozeman, you know, at, at eight to 10 to, or more would, uh, is allegedly looking for based on some reports. So, you know, um, that's where I think it, if, if, if he gets that offer, he's gone, you know, obviously. Um, but if he doesn't get what he's looking for, maybe they got a chance of bringing him back at, you know, 8 million a year or something like that. And I was going to say, that seems to be the way, you know, we knew Ozzy talked about that all the time that, you know, Hey, he's going to make their offer and then you can go and test the market. Right. And it seems like Eric is kind of following in that footsteps. Cause I think when they talked about these guys, when he was at his press, he didn't say the specific words, but I think he kind of all, but said, Hey, these guys are all going to test the market. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, this it, it wasn't, it wasn't like Peters is going to be back. It wasn't, it was, yeah. it wasn't said yeah. anything like that. It was, <laughs> it was definitely more, um, you know, and I, it, it, you know, it was almost seemed with, with, with Bozeman, it almost seemed like there was a, a, um, almost a recognition that it probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what that's the sense that I got. I know, you know, his wife's on Twitter and they're showing these pictures of a new house being built in Tennessee. And I, yeah. I don't know, we we're leaving. We're not leaving. But I think that would be my approach as his agent. You know, I, I probably would. You know, Brian, you talked about that average per year. I probably like four-ish, five-ish, a little better than three-ish. Uh, but I would say, hey, we're going to go out. We're going to test the market. And then, you know, if, if, you know, you guys have made your offer and say, hey, if you don't get what you're looking for out there, you know, come back to the table and we can look at it again. I, I don't think that you can ask for much more than that. Um, I mean, I don't know how that works out. Sometimes I wonder, like when teams say that, and let's say you go out and you don't, find what you're looking for and you come back is the price now changed or do they honor what they, <laughs> you know what i mean well i mean yeah I, I, I mean i think in some cases it, it it's all timing you know um you know you you wait you wait a week into free agency and we may have done other things and that offer is not there you know somebody we weren't somebody we weren't budgeting for or you know one of our other players came back and said you know what we'll take your offer we weren't expecting to come back and now you know we're looking at you know 20 million in cap space and you know the 4 million or 5 million we were allocating to you isn't there anymore you know and it certainly can happen yeah so there's there's it carries some risk that way too i mean i know sometimes i think about it like oh they're going to test the market and they're going to go out there and be able to maximize their earning potential, but they carry some risk for them in that way too, oh, yeah. because if the market doesn't materialize, you can go back like years ago, Ray, right? Where he thought he was going oh, to yeah. go out and it didn't, it didn't materialize the way he thought it was. And he's back here. So, uh, but he was fortunate in that way. He was able to come back and, yeah. and work out whatever deal they worked out. But like you said, timing could throw that off for a guy like Bozeman. They oh, say, yeah. hey, that ship's kind of sailed, man. Uh, Sorry, you know, hopefully you'll find something out there somewhere, but <laughs> we're we're moving forward because they've got two guys on the roster too who can play the position. Right. A guy who's played the position, uh, you know, going back to that 2019 year, Patrick McCarry, and then Cologne has even been in some games over mm-hmm. 2020 and this year. He's he's gotten in a game or two. Uh, you know, there was a COVID game last year with the Steelers for sure. And then I think he was in a Bengals game or something like that too. So even he's got some snaps. Um in regular season game. So, you know, I, I just think that all of that maybe kind of factors into, Hey, you know, the cupboard isn't completely there. This doesn't work out. And it's kind of been their pattern going back. If you look at the last couple of centers, that's kind of been the pattern, right? Is you get a guy, you develop him, um, he gets to the market, you let him go. The next guy in the pipeline comes up, right? That was Skura. And then it was Jensen, or was it Jensen first and then Skura? I think it was Jensen first, then Skura, mm-hmm. then Bozeman. Yeah. That's kind of been the pattern. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, the big, the best centers, quote, best young centers, quote unquote, they've had were Jason Brown and, and Jensen, and they weren't willing to pay. I think both of them, I think they got blown out of the water with both, both of them didn't expect the market to be so. I mean, I didn't expect Jensen to get that kind of deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, I mean, I think he became the top eight center at the time, if I remember correctly. Um, so, and now, you know, hey, maybe that'll happen with Bozeman too. You know, I mean, stranger things have happened when, when it comes to free agency and, uh, yeah. you know, and team with teams with money to burn, so to speak. It only takes one. I remember with yeah. CJ, right? That Jets yeah. deal, that was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so it only takes one. Uh, anyway, I don't know if that helps you at all, Carrie, but, uh, <laughs> It sounds yeah. like. So I will, well, let me try. Let me try this. As the cap guy, Carrie, we can 
eight million is as high as we can go here. I'm I'm glad you said that because that's that was my number as well. And me and Chris have had conversations. I'm gonna hit Chris on this. Chris has a certain guy in mind that he always says, if I'm gonna pay top of the market, I'm gonna pay for a top of the market player. And it just so happens, my man Chris has a has a target at this position. Um, so I'll, I'm gonna hit Chris to get his thoughts and see you know see if if those conversations we've had are, are still kind of in, in alignment. So there's a term when you go back to an ex-lover, it's called spinning the block. And I think <laughs> we should spin the block on Ryan Jensen and bring him back home because just on, as a, you know, as a player, he, he fits exactly what they want to do on offense. They wanted, they've been talking about building a bully and there's no better bu- bully than Ryan Jensen right now. So you bring in Ryan Jensen not only are you bringing in a guy with the physicality and play style that he has, but you're also bringing in a guy who has played with Tom Brady for the last two years. So the knowledge and the little tips and tricks of the trade that he's gotten from Tom Brady, he could kind of, you know, pass those along to, to Lamar as well. So you're getting leadership value. You're getting uh, an upgrade on the field. And you're just bringing that that attitude that this offense has been lacking for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what? Yeah. So I was gonna say, with that said, I'm gonna shoot this back to the agent, uh, Mike. We're gonna come in at uh, eight million a year for four years. Uh, we'll let you go out and, and shop that, but you know we have some other kind of business to to do and things to look at. But you know we'll. We'll throw that out there as a, as kind of a lifeline uh, right now, and you know we'll we'll see what the market holds for you. Hey, don't move my locker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so that's what we're going going to leave things with him. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next guy, and that's going to be um, a defensive lineman Calais Campbell. Um, you know he's he's announced that you know he's going to be coming back to play next year. But, you know, obviously we need to work out some kind of deal with him or, or see if he wants to test the market. Uh, I, I'll start with you, Brian, and kind of get your thoughts, um, you know, impact-wise, uh, money-wise, just kind of what we're looking at here with, uh, with Calais. Sure. So he's probably the classic one-year deal guy. Um, however, the air cap won't work that way. Um, when you have 20 million, if he's, you know, his, uh, his average on his prior deal was what 12, he's not a 12 million a year guy. Um, they would probably build a deal, you know, 8 million ish. And maybe, maybe with some incentives in there, you know, if he gets to five sacks, you know, he get he gets, you know, 500,000 or something like that. But for the Ravens, it can't be a one year, $8 million deal. You got 20 to spend, we're going to spend on a few other players. I'm sure, you know, we, we talked about one center or another, perhaps I'm sure we're going to get the safety as an issue. Um, so 8 million, an $8 million cap hit would be really hard for them to be able to handle if they want to do other things. So he's a guy you do a three-year deal. Um, he gets 8 million this year uh, between his bonus. So you get, let's say, a, let's say, a, you know, a, $6 million bonus, $2 million base salary. So there's his eight. He got his eight this year, but that $6 million bonus gets spread out over the three years. 
that gives him a cap number of four this year. Um, and then, you know, then the, the deal averages eight, you know, he's probably not going to be here in the third year. He may not even be here next year. If he's not here next year, then you do have a four, $4 million dead money cap hit, but you can, you know, the cap's going to go up, but you know, it's not the $4 million dead money used to be a bad thing, you know, a terrible thing. Now it's okay. That's, we can handle that. You know, it's not, it's, it's not the end of the world. You hope to get two years out of him. Um, you know, and of course, if they win a Super Bowl, he's going to retire. <laughs> so that's the only bad thing about getting a Super Bowl. Maybe win the Super Bowl, maybe, but uh, but you know, if you, if you play well and he plays well, and you know, he needs one more bite of the apple, you get that second year out of him, probably. Um, so it's not the end of the world if it's structured something like that. So I think he's a guy. You know, if if he he wants to accept that deal then I think they can make it work. And I think, I think they can make it work this year's cap and it not be too terrible on their future either. All right, agent. So my cap guy laid it all out for you. So it is there for you to take, you know, this is the best opportunity you're going to get to, to be in Super Bowl contention. You know, obviously when the trade was made, you were excited. We ran into a lot of injuries, but we back. We got the players back. We're trying to build a bully again. Let's go. Yeah, I think the posture is a little bit different with a guy like Calais. Like, he's made money, right? He's made money in his career. I think he's at that point where, and you heard him during the Super Bowl broadcast he was doing for Sky Sports, you know, that Super Bowl bug kind of bit him in that moment. He wants to win a championship, right? And there's only going to be a handful of teams that you think are legitimate contenders to do that. Right. And I'm not saying that he, he couldn't, you know, offer his services or look at what kind of deal he could get from one of those other contenders, whether it's KC or Buffalo or, you know, even God forbid, I don't think he would go to the Bengals. But even if he went to the Bengals, you, you never know. Uh, you never know. But I think that he he's always sounded like a guy that liked it here, that kind of integrated himself into the Baltimore community. Um, I think he he liked playing in the defense. I know they've got a new coordinator coming in, but I don't think Mike McDonald is going to be a drastic departure from some of the stuff that Wink was doing. There'll be some differences for sure, but I don't think it's going to be drastic. So he'll have that familiarity. I think he's only a handful of sacks away from getting 100 too, I think, right? He's like six, maybe seven away from getting 100 sacks, career sacks or something like that. So all of that familiarity, all of that familiarity, all of that comfort, uh, plus you are playing with a team that you believe in. I mean, he always sounded like a guy who really believed in Lamar. Like he thought they could win a championship with Lamar. Um, and I don't think everybody feels that way. Um, you know, when you talk to different people around the league or you listen to other people around the league. So I think he really buys in to Lamar and, and his ability. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd have a problem with accepting a deal like that, in my opinion. Because like I said, I don't think he's out there trying to chase the biggest deal he can get at this point. I think it's about trying to win a championship, being in a good situation, a good fit, um, teammates and coaches he's comfortable with. I think that kind of stuff matters more probably to him now than, than not that, I mean, the money always matters. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it, it might not be top, top, top priority uh, at this point in his career. Man, look, we got the agent already uh, agreeing to it. He's, he bought in on our argument. So we're good. <laughs> I would say it was a different posture with him. With Bradley, I'm like, <laughs> we need to go out there because I think we can get somebody to bite. Um, Calais, I mean, same thing. Like I said, he could go to one of those contenders and maybe they throw him a, a little bit more money. Um, but 
you're kind of going to be starting over again in a lot of ways. And I don't think you have to do that here. Yeah. What are your I, thoughts, I think, uh, Chris? I, I think the, the, the sentiment with this team uh, that, that we've seen just from the players themselves is there's some unfinished business and they, you know, they're chomping at the bit to, to go back into to this uh, 2022 season when this starts and, and really show what this team was supposed to be if it weren't, wasn't for the injuries. And uh, I, I definitely could see a guy like Calais wanting to run it back for all the reasons that Mike said, you know, just being an older guy, you know, having a you know, up and, you know, basically re uh, relocate and have your, your kids go to different schools and have to get used to a new place. It's like, you know, you don't want to be doing that at 37, 38 years old. You know, you, you want to, you want to have them be in a, a comfortable situation that they're familiar with. And, and, you know, especially with the team that they have, you know, there's, they, like Mike said, they could regroup and, and run it back and, and try to really shoot for that Super Bowl. Yeah. So I, I think we're all in agreement. So I, I think we reached an agreement with uh, um, Calais Campbell uh, on a three-year deal to return to the Ravens. All right. That gets us to 16 mil to use, to still spend. Uh, it looks like we might be holding a little of that back for a center. Uh, whichever one, and who else we got. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to the next guy. Um, we're going to open uh, negotiations with uh, Patrick Ricard. Um, I'll say this to the agent first and foremost. If you ask for Kyle Use check money, I will end this call right now. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, different skill sets, right? Use check and, and Ricard, different skill sets. Um, but I think the thing about Ricard is he's going to have more value to the Ravens than just about any other team. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just yeah. the reality. And and when you look at how he's kind of evolved and morphed his game, he's going – obviously we know he went from defensive line to fullback. But even last year when Boyle was out, he played a lot more kind of like wide tight end did a lot more of the stuff that Boyle had to do kind of like on the line of scrimmage blocking point of attack blocking. Uh, now look, when Boyle was in his prime, there was nobody better uh, at that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying Ricard was at that same level, but I think that, you know, he, he did a yeoman's job. Uh, this is not easy uh, putting a guy like that out there to block a DN, right. Blocking, you know, we, I, I was just rewatching it recently you know, he's out there blocking Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby one-on-one that first game of the season. These are not easy assignments. There are not a lot of guys uh, with that kind of designation and body, you know, we call them fullbacks, H-backs, whatever you call them, that kind of body type who can block guys like that. And, and he's able to get that done. So um, obviously he's got different value. And that's why I think he might be able to ask for a little bit more from the Ravens than maybe what his market would be. Because he, he's just probably not going to not going to be perceived as um, you know at that same level of of value to other teams that he is to the Ravens, and I think he knows that. I think his agent knows that. Um, so he seems like another guy though too who likes it here. Just you know, seems like a gregarious guy, outgoing guy. Likes his role on the team. Likes the teammates. I think he wants to be here. Um, but again, you know, he's a younger guy, different situation than Calais. So. Uh, you never know how how long, and he saw it firsthand this year. Guys dropping like flies. 
you never know how long you're going to have in this game. So this could be an opportunity for him. But yeah, I, I think with him, I don't have a number because I wasn't able to see any projections out there for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's maybe a, 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 just a tick more than maybe what people might think for a fullback. Because I think they're going to get locked into that. They're going to be like, oh, he's a fullback. Kind of like they did with Boyle when they did Boyle's deal last time. Like, oh, how are they going to pay him that much money? I don't think it was that much. But I think based on what his role is, people were like, that's more than what you should be paying a blocking tight end. I think that's what people primarily saw him as, whether that's fair or not. I think that's kind of how the fan base kind of perceived him. And I think you might see that similar perception with Ricard. You know, you guys have probably heard it. A lot of people who like, they don't even want him out there on the field. They're like, put Prochet out there. Put Wallace out there. Right, <laughs> like, right. <they> don't want <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't think you really gra- grasp, you know, the value he provides and the things that he can do with Boyle out. Now, if you get a healthy Boyle back, which is an if, but if you get a healthy Boyle back, that might change things a little bit. Then you might say, hey. We might be able to give this Ben Mason dude a try. You know, he didn't want to be here the first time. Now he's back. <laughs> so maybe we give this guy another try. He makes it through camp and makes the roster. Who knows? Uh, or maybe Eric Tomlinson can be 40%, 50% of what Patrick Ricard was. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm making both sides of the argument, which is a terrible <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> well, and I think that's because he's it's a tough valuation. It really yeah. is. I mean, fullbacks yeah. in general is a tough valuation, uh, unless you're a guy like Juice Check, you know, who clearly is going to catch 60 balls or whatever it is, you know, and is, is a weapon that way. Um, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think he he he's more valuable to the Ravens than any other team. And is there a team out there that's even going to, I mean, test that? I mean, we, we, you know, our, our, our offense is, he fits our offense. Our offense is, is certainly, you know, more unique than, than most, uh, you know, the way they run it. So, um, you know, he, he, he's asking for boil money apparently, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, you know, that's now he, he's still, I mean, he's, he, it was a short deal, but you know, his average per year, he's still the second high, highest paid uh, fullback right now. You know, it, that's three point six million. Does he deserve? Does he deserve a bump? I mean, he's going to be a free agent. He's not taking less unless unless nobody unless there are no offers when the Ravens lowball the hell out of him. So you're probably. I mean, even at four million, you know, that's a slight raise. Um, but so you know, but I don't think he. I don't think he gets. Somebody's going to come there, or the Ravens are going to go there because I don't think the Ravens can go in and say you're only worth three million to us now, unless they're totally revising the you know, the, the offense, or they have an heir apparent, which seemingly was what Mason was supposed to be, but obviously that didn't work out very well. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think he's probably, uh, I mean, use checks at 5.4. I don't think he touches anywhere near that. I don't see how, I don't see how Ricard gets to the five, but as you mentioned, he took a lot of the boil role and he's got the argument. Well, I did Boyle's job. Boyle's worth, you know, five point five million a year. I think Boyle is, uh, or is it, you know, so I'm worth that much. It makes sense on paper. I'm not sure unless he's going to become a true tight end for somebody, uh, or you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that role. But you know, you got creative, 
you know, you got a lot of creative offensive coordinators out there who might just say, you know, I can I can do something with this guy that nobody's done like like Roman did the first time, you know, but take it a step further, perhaps. Um, so as as the money guy, I'm going to say, you know, a, a four year, 16 million dollar deal, um, maybe a little higher. Um, we, you know, we can get that cap number down in that case around $3 million. If, if, uh, you know, if, if we want him bad enough, I, I don't, I can't see going over 4.5 million a year. And, you know, I think I would actually take that. Patrick might not like that. Because <laughs> 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 you do run that risk that the things that you're talking about, Brian, those are unknowns. Will another team you know, create right. a role, develop a role for me, find a role for me in their offense the way that the Ravens do. He has a very defined role and, and now multiple roles that he can play within the Ravens offense. And I, I just don't know that you can bank on that for other teams. So, you know, with, with other teams. So I, I, I you know, I feel bad because I think from the player side, you're, you're trying to get these guys the most that you can. Uh, but I think you also got to say, hey, look, but you know, this is maybe a little bit less than, than what you were probably hoping for or looking for, but you know your role on this team and you know how this team values you. You're going to play. You're going to be an important part of what they do. You're going to be out there every Sunday, um, you know, doing different you – know, and all the different days that they play games now, um, you know, as an important part of this offense. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think that that would be reasonable in my opinion. I would be surprised if he was one of those guys who were like, nah, I don't think I can do that. I think I need to go out there and, and see if I can get something better somewhere else. If I was like a Justin Houston, okay, that's that's something different, right? If I'm like even Justin Houston is not what he used to be, but you know those kind of guns for hire kind of pass rushers, somebody will throw you a bone if they're in a bad enough situation, right? KC did with Melvin Ingram or whatever. You know, somebody will, will, will yeah. or Steelers. I guess it was the Steelers first, and then he went to the Chiefs. Um, somebody will throw you a bone. If if you've got some some pass rush ability, so that's different. But with Ricard, I'm like, mm, I think you should probably take this deal. That's what I would tell it. Yeah, I think the 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 contract that Brian laid out is about where I am. You know, I would maybe squeeze him a little bit more just because I, I struggle to find the fit for him outside of Baltimore. You know, I'm looking at these teams around the league. Um, I think. You know, maybe Miami with uh, Mike McDonald coming in there and, you know, they're probably going to be a run-centric team. And, you know, maybe he coming there, bring them some attitude, bring them, you know, that lead blocking uh, kind of presence. But other than that, man, you look around the league and I struggle to find the fit. And, New, you know, New England. New England. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's the kind of Belichick yeah. kind of guy. And, you know, that's if they want to protect, protect Mac Jones – you know, and, and they obviously, I mean, you know, what was the game against Buffalo? They ran, they threw the ball five times, was it, or three times or whatever it was, you know. You know, um, so they, they can definitely run the ball. And, and I don't know if they use a true fullback, um, but he might be a guy to fit, you know, and may, if they have a fullback there who's a rookie, you know, they then maybe that doesn't make sense. I, but I, that just seems like a fit to me. So, And I guess because they took Ben Mason too, it just seems like, you know, there's some there's sometimes there's always these things yeah. back and forth with us for whatever reason. Um, so that would be one I, I would think yeah. would be a possibility. That's but, a good point. Yeah. They've got a yeah. guy. There. They do have a fullback. They there. do. Why okay. Ben Mason couldn't get on the field. Okay. They guy there. Um, I forget his name. Jacob but, Johnson. Okay. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, 
you know, Belichick loves those kinds of dudes. Regardless mm-hmm. of what he do, he would love. You know, playing fullback, the fact that he could, you know, line up and give you some defensive line in a pinch. I think he loves those kind of guys. Uh, yeah, what was the what was the wide receiver many years ago? He ended up playing corner for them in critical games because their corners Troy were all hurt. Troy right. Brown, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The more you can do, he loves, yeah. and I think that's why they have those similarities because you know their whole evaluation system. Ozzy learned it from right. that, right. and then Eric learned it from Ozzy. I think that's probably why they see players as similarly as they do. Because they were actually – it was something on TV about that recently. They they were talking about some of the old guys, uh, whether it was uh, Phil Savage, uh, some of the old personnel guys who were here. And he's like, look, Ozzy took it and kind of tweaked it and put his own little spin on it here and there. Mm-hmm. But he was like, it was basically Bill's system. Yeah. I imagine they've continued to kind of use that at its core, you know, throughout. All right. So I'll hit you on this, Chris. I, I think we're um, pretty comfortable with the four for 16 uh, that, that Brian laid out. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Ricard? So I'm kind of going to pivot a little bit, and I think it's time to move on from Pat Ricard. Um, I love him. Hey guys, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I love him. You know, I love Pat Ricard. I'm not one of these people that are like, why is he on the field? I get it. You know, the offensive line, tell me how, you know, Prochet is going to help, you know, protect Lamar. You know, when you have Pat Ricard, who's going to be in there and, you know, helping with the blocking and, and, and all of that stuff. So I'm not one on that train when it comes to Pat Ricard criticism or anything like that. I think he's a great player. He fits the Ravens. Mine is just is just strictly about positional allocation when it comes to the money. We have Mark Andrews. We have Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle, who might not even, you know, be the Nick Boyle that we signed. We, you know, we still don't know. He came back, uh, but then he had to go back on IR because he just wasn't right. Um, with Pat Ricard, that'd be three guys who are in that tight end fullback position group where the Ravens are pretty much paying top dollar for those three guys. And when you look at it, it's, is that going to take you over the top for Patrick Card when we can maybe take that money and use it for a veteran tackle or a safety or, you know, a high higher impact position, so to speak, a more premium position than fullback? And, I, and like I say, I know how important the, the position is for the Ravens offense, but I, I just wonder if putting all that money into the position group is a wise wise decision. That's I a think, good point. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I mean, I'm not supposed to be saying this. <laughs> Why it is kept <laughs> this draft and the way it's projected, pretty deep tight end draft, not top heavy for sure. Yeah. But, you know, all of the guys who really study that stuff, like Dane Brugler and all these other, you know, you know draft guys say that fourth round, a lot of tight ends. Yeah. Fourth round and a number of H back types too. There's a kid yeah. up in Maryland, Cheek, I forget his last name. But there's a lot of H back type of guys there too. So you could see this as maybe that um that that Dennis Pitta and uh and what's the other dude's name? Where they took both of those guys at Could could not that they would necessarily double dip, but just the fact that there's gonna be enough volume there in terms of tight end where they could they could probably take one or an H back type of guy. And then kind of you know replicate what they've done. 
uh, with with Pat Ricard. And if if that you know that guy comes in, he competes, whatever. You've got Ben Mason. I mean, I think it kind of makes sense. And just for the record, last thing I'll say, I am not an anti-James Prochet guy. So if people say, oh, this guy is not James Prochet. <laughs> or James Prochet. Uh, me and Chris talked about that during the year. We thought him and Tylen should have been playing more snaps over Sammy. I mean, we, Sammy had just got to a point where we were just like, hey, I think we've kind of seen where Sammy's at. Let's let's see these young guys out there a little bit more. So I'm definitely not against James Prochet. Um, there was just there was some other some other people I interacted with on Twitter who didn't want to see Ricard. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe they'll get their wish if it plays out uh, the way Chris is talking about. But it makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's not something I like. It's not something I like. I don't like it, but you know, sometimes medicine doesn't taste good. So you know, sometimes you just need some of that. Yeah. I mean, can you find a reasonable enough facsimile? at a third of the cost or maybe even a fourth of the cost when you look at it. So, um, I think it's David. So, sorry, Pat. We didn't put <laughs> yeah. on the contract. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to send you out there and let you see what you can find, but we're, we're going to hold off for right now. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yep. So, yeah, we have one more guy um, that I want to, to get your guys' thoughts on and, uh, you know, possibly negotiate with is a uh, veteran edge, Justin Houston. Um, you know, he was pretty solid for us last year. You know, being be nice to bring him back as a, a veteran uh, amongst these young, um, you know, edge rushers that we have on the team. Um, uh, I'll go to you for, uh, first, Brian, and, and kind of get your thoughts on him as a player and then maybe some, some contract um, options there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. As you said, he played well. Um He's he's another interesting evaluation because he went from what eight or nine sacks uh, in, in Indy, um, sat out free agency basically, um, asking apparently back in the reports where he was asking for ten million a year on a long term deal, and then he ends up taking a one year one and a half million deal, dollar deal. So he's certainly worth more than that, but the question then becomes how much more. And how reasonable is he going to be considering he, he, he lost himself a lot of money last year. Um, and to be honest with what he had four sacks this year. So it's not like he, he, you know, he put on a, a show in his, on his one year deal to, to get the big deal the next year. Now, I mean, obviously there's all kinds of variables and, you know, um, he's going to be 33, maybe. Does that sound right? Yeah, um, he's, he's already 33. So, uh, you know, there's that. And, you know, he, he does, he's, he's more than a pass rusher. And, you know, that's something that, you know, fan, you just four sacks doesn't, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily the end all be all when it comes to how good a player is. You know, I always say that, you know, one of the reasons Terrell Suggs, I mean, he got a lot of sacks, but one of the main reasons he's going to be in the Super Bowl is he was so good doing other things too. I mean, you can be great at sacks, but when you're, you know, when you're breaking up uh, screen passes left and right because you're reading it as soon as the ball snapped, you know, I mean, that, and then it's obviously setting the edge. Those kind of guys are, are, are incredibly valuable. So, um, so I, but he's going to be a tough valuation. Is he worth $5 million a year? Um, probably. Somebody will probably go there. Is that too rich for the Ravens? I, that, my feeling is somebody's going to offer more than the Ravens are, are going to be willing to offer him. Um, so if, 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 if he gets, if the number's 5 million, I think that from, from the money guy's perspective, we can't go more than 5 million a year. 
So that puts it in my court. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I think one thing maybe working in Justin's favor a little bit is kind of the 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 state of the outside linebacker room right now. You got three guys who are going to be returning from injury, two projected starters in Tyus Bowser and Adafe Owe, and you got. Oh, so you gonna so you gonna go to your leverage? That's I'm just doing. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You got three guys. You know who you were expecting to play. You know significant roles all coming off of off of injuries. Tyus, he suffered his. Was that in the Steelers game? Was that the last yeah. game of the game? Before? Yeah, the last game. Yeah. So right, he tore his Achilles. Um, Dalen Hayes is coming off injury too. Yeah, Dalen's coming also. That that's leaving you with who do you got? <laughs> Ferguson. Zach <laughs> Betty. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just saying, you, you might be able to do a little better. You might be able to get to six or seven. <laughs> what you're looking at, uh, looking at in there. Uh, but it, to me, his situation—I uh, don't want to take too much more time. We've, we've been at it for a while. Uh, would be similar to um, kind of what we did with Bozeman, just different numbers, but similar in that. Like, hey, here's our deal, right? From the Ravens' perspective, here's here's our number. Uh, go out there, see what you can find. Uh, if it doesn't work out, give us a call. Similar thing. I would not be surprised if he takes a, a similar approach. Let me go out there. Let me see what I can find. And then, you know, you see where it goes from there. Yeah, I th- and I think that's a likely because, I, like I said, I just think he's a tough valuation at this point. Um, you know, if he put up nine sacks, you know, then did you know you'd have your answer. You know, yeah. but the four, you know, weren't all his fault. Obviously, we had everybody had trouble getting to the quarterback. So, um, you know, I just, I just think that's, that's where, yeah, it's that test the market and, uh, we'll, we'll check back and we'll see where we are. Yeah. That's my other leverage point, Kerry is, Hey, you fired your DC. I was my fault. I couldn't get that. <laughs> right. He's the reason why I couldn't get <laughs> Right. <laughs> And Nagakwe couldn't get sacks here last year, and look what he did in exactly. Oakland this year. So you know. places, they, they put up numbers. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, give me yeah. let Mike McDonald let me come in there. You saw what uh, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo did for Hillman College. Let me come in there and get 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 some action like that. I'll put up nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm glad you spoke of college edge rushers because I do have the 14 pick. I can take one of these oh. guys and and let you go. So. Can, you can definitely do that. You <laughs> you know do. <laughs> but yeah, you, you guys make a good point. It's especially like you said when he was asking for a nine ten million, and to end up settling for a million and a half. You just don't know where his his thought process is. Is he going to be trying to recoup some of that money back, or has he kind of settled in and say, hey? I had to take a lot less than what I uh, had bargained on. Let me lock in for something solid and, you know, a good situation. So, you know, it just kind of depends on what his motivations are going to be. Marcus Peters, get back on the phone. Marcus apparently recruited him heavy last time. Oh, really? Just, yeah, because they played together in KC. KC. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. How great it was. He said, you're going to love it here. It's, 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 you know, they run things the way that thing should be run. They let you be yourself, you know, all those great things. They take care of your players. Hey, look, we got a new assistant trainer coming in here, right? <laughs> won some kind of like trainer of the year award. This guy's going to help, you know, extend your career. Who doesn't like that, right? <laughs> so maybe he'll come back and he won't, you know, necessarily um, 
look to to get that ten million dollar number guy. That ship has sailed one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Uh, but yeah, he could be another guy like Calais Campbell, like Chris was saying, the kind of running back mentality. Like, hey, this team was supposed to be different. It was supposed to look a different way. And injury really robbed us of that. So let's bring the band back yeah. together and let's see if we can, you know, do what we all thought we were going to be able to do. If you, especially if you're doing it on those one year type deals and say, hey, you know what, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, we'll see where we are after 2022. But let's put this thing back together and see if we can go get a championship. Yeah. So, you know, in line with um, the number that Brian put out there, that five million, I think we're going to do the same thing we did with Bozeman. Uh, throw that out there and, you know, let them go out there and test the market and uh, see what comes back. But now we're going to go ahead and hit the market. And what people don't know is Chris being my Ozzy Newsome. Every year he's going to tell me one guy that I have to go and get. And, you know, he's not going to sugarcoat it at all. This is my guy. This is who I want. So we're going to go out in the market and we're going to talk to Ryan Jensen now and we're going to try to get Chris's guy back to Baltimore. So we're going we're gonna to open those negotiations. Uh, uh, Brian, uh, what do you think as far as the, the player, uh, as far as what type of deal you think that we could swing with him? You know, what can we afford to, to shut out for, for a guy like that? Sure. So he's, he's older than you would expect. Um, because his first couple years he was on the practice squad, I think his first year, and then he was on IR a year early on. Um, so, um, I'm not sure he's, he's definitely in his, he's, he's at least 30 now. So, um, so he's, but he's a center, you know, the age is generally not too much of a problem there. His last deal averaged, uh, 10.5 million. I think it was. He's probably getting a raise. I don't think he's getting less. I mean, he's coming off of, you know, um, several very good years, obviously, with Tampa um, with a Super Bowl ring. So he comes back as, you know, as a Super Bowl champion with, um, you know, with a, with, with a lot to offer. So, I mean, his valuation, what's the, what's the, the top center is about a little under 15, I think, 14 something. So right. Jensen's probably asking 13. Um, I'm guessing that's probably going to be his range. Um, we've, we, that would be people, you know, people want us to step out of our, uh, our, our old set ways. Well, that would be stepping out of them for sure. <laughs> um, Cause like I said earlier, they don't, they've never paid for a center. Um, I guess Matt Burke's probably the, the highest paid center they've ever actually had. Um, so, you know, I, it, we, we'll be, we're still at 16 million in cap space this year. Again, we can, I mean, you can, if you want a guy bad enough, you can make him fit, you know? Um, so you, you bonus, you get an option bonus. So you spread it, you know, spread that bonus money out into the second year. So you don't have to worry about it this year. Um, he gets, uh, If you if you up his second year base salary, you probably can get his cap number in the four to five range, without you know without backing it out too hard on the back years. Um, so it could be done. Yeah, I mean I mean it could be done. Um, 
So, you know, do you want to go, you know, 13 million over four years, you know, per year over four years? I don't think you go five on him given his age. Um, I think you can figure that out down the road unless you're really just trying to spread it out. And that, that last year's it's kind of a dummy year. And, you know, instead of the $10 million bonus over, over four years, you're spreading out over five just to get a little extra, you know, get a little extra uh, relief each year. And then you, you know, you deal with a little bit on the back end in that fifth year, if it gets that far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it can get done. Yeah, Ragnow, OTC has Ragnow at 13.5 a year. Okay. All right. Well, I don't, I don't, I, you know, never say never, but I don't see Jensen going over that given that he's, he's 30. Um, but I could see him, you know, I mean, he's going to be the, I, I, you know, pretty sure he's the top free agent on the market and most would consider it. So I think he's going to, he'll push that. So that's where I'll go 13 a year. Yeah, I, I think that's a good price point too because Lins, uh, Corey Lindsley got uh, twelve point five, so I, I think right above yeah. that would be be a nice sweet spot for him. Yeah, I, I'm on board at that number. Um, I think with him, when you look at this team, you know a lot of people will him and Haw about you know throwing the ball more, doing all these different things. You know, at this core, this is a team that wants to build a bully. And, you know, they want to get downhill. They want to run a football. Um, that's how they win games. That's how they're going to continue to win games. Um, as far as the passing game goes, it's not like anybody is telling you you have to go out there and throw it 600 times. You have to be able to throw it efficiently when the time comes. But, you know, they are unique in a way that everybody's playing nickel and trying to get smaller and playing too high. Well, here comes this Ravens team where you can't do any of that. So I, I think I like the idea of bringing in a Jensen and kind of lean, leaning in on that uniqueness as a team. So, um, you know, if everybody is cool around the room, I think I'm I'm good to go that 13 a year for Jensen on a four year. Here's the one question I'll ask. I'm good with, but and maybe we can do both. But would you if, if we can't do both? Would you rather spend that money on a center or a tackle? Now maybe we can do both. Well, I mean, it dep- tackle is going to be hard just because the any tackle out there is going to get paid more than thirteen a year. Um, and I'm not—I don't even—I haven't looked at uh, offensive tackles on the on the market. I've uh, there's what uh, the uh, the guy from New Orleans—he's going to get seventeen a year or, or more, uh, even though he's on—he's—he's he's over thirty now too. Um, you know, I don't, and I don't remember who was after that, who's the next guy, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, you're looking at it's, it, well, I'd only need four more million. If I'm going to spend 13, should I go to 17 on a tackle? Um, I, I, th- I feel like they're going to, they're going to address tackle in the draft. Yeah. Um, I, I think because you, you really, you don't need, you, you need a tackle. But are you bringing him in to start? You know, we get to the Villanueva again. Is he? Gonna, are you bringing in a left tackle to start at right tackle, who can play left tackle? But does he want to come here to play right tackle if he can play left tackle? You know, so uh, I mean, you know, well, I, oh, well, the top the top guy out there is Brown. Obviously, is, is Orlando Brown. Um, he's not coming back unless no. his his mood has changed, um, and they're not going to move. I don't think even. 
I mean, I'm not sure even if Stanley is healthy enough, whatever, however you quantify that, they're not moving him to right tackle. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that they, I Moses to come in. Maybe. That's a, a guy, bad. that's a guy. They weighed Well, I mean, he got released after they signed Villanueva, but that was a guy that was to me, that was a classic Ravens move. Uh, or, or oh, Leno, yeah. or Leno, when he got yeah. released by. Now he got a nice deal yeah. from the Skins yep. or the or Commanders. Um, he got a nice deal there um, at the end of the season. But yeah, I like Morgan Moses, the guy. I think you can get for. I mean, I think his, I think this year he was at like four point five. So he, I, his age, you probably get him nine to ten. I think you get him less for. You probably get him for less than Jensen um, because I because he is truly is just a right tackle. Um, so yeah, I mean. That maybe maybe I would go I would go with that one because it's cheaper um, and two because it's a tackle. Uh, but then the question then with him is can he can he switch to left? Because I think he's been a pretty exclusive right tackle his career. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure that that solves anything other than you also draft uh, you know in the first or second or third of you know a guy that can play both sides. Um, so I mean, you know, I, I, I we're, we're, this is this is fun and all. I would be surprised if they go for Jensen, not because I don't think it's the right move. I just think, again, they don't spend money on a on the center, you know. Yeah. And if you but, wanted a tackle who could play both sides, you could, you know, we talked about this a little bit on Twitter with Trent Brown. Now he's got the injury stuff, right? In recent years, but he's a guy that's played left and right True. tackle. Um, the only reason I'm throwing out tackles is because I'm probably a little more pessimistic about the prognosis of Ronnie Stanley yeah. and where uh, where I think Jawan James might be at. Like, I think I'm, I'm not an anti-Makari guy at tackle. I know a lot of people are. I think he showed that he can be a solid right tackle. I'm not saying that there couldn't be a guy that that's an upgrade over him. I, I think that there could be. Uh, but I think before he started to get banged up, um, you know, he was playing pretty well there at right tackle for a while yeah. before he started dealing with some stuff. But – uh, I would say either Trent Brown or Morgan Moses would be an upgrade over yeah. Kari for sure. Um, but I just I worry about Stanley, man. I think, you yeah. know, Chris and I talked about this, like coming back, playing that first game and then not kind of knowing what was going on for a couple of weeks and then getting shut yeah. down. Just That whole thing was just kind of weird. And then Jawan James, we just don't know. Nobody's seen him. Yeah. I guess he I guess he got in some practices towards the end of the year last year, but we. We we don't know. Yeah, and and not not drafting a tackle last year really came back to bite them. I mean, if you if you drafted a guy in you know, third round or something like that, I don't remember who was there. And obviously, you know, I don't think they went in saying we're not worried about it. You know, the, the board falls the way it falls. You know, so I get that, but I, I would have liked to seen them back up whether it was through the draft or whether it was another tackle to uh, you know to to back up. Um, well, both of them just have that swing tackle, a veteran swing tackle. I mean, uh, with they going into the season, I mean, you know, whoever thought Macari was going to end up being the right tackle, you know, and maybe they thought that all along. I don't know. Or maybe it was desperation. I feel like it was more desperation <laughs> and they got, they got a little bit lucky there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tackles, I mean, to me, that's, to me, that's the biggest need on this team. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally with yeah. you on that, that that's, um, but I can see – I definitely see the utility, uh, the great need for you know, a guy like Jensen too. So I'm not the general manager. I'm just the money guy. So <laughs> the general manager says 13, we'll, we'll go for it. We'll, we'll put a $6 million cap number on that. Um, 
and so we got so we got he and Calais. So that should get us down to what have we got that the sixteen for Calais. So uh, if we do six, so that gets us down to about ten to work with. No, no uh, going back to that that um, left tackle versus center thing. You know, it's it's obviously a great argument because they already have two guys on the roster who could potentially fill in as as a center. Yeah. Right now, we don't know who the hell is going to be the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, we can say Ronnie, we can yeah. say Jawan James, we can say Makari, but we don't know. You know, at least if they lose Bozeman, we could say, okay, that's Tristan Colon. Okay, that's Patrick Makari. But tackle, I mean, we saw how much it killed them this year. And, and we know that Eric DaCosta, he's going to be a guy who's going to be very, very aggressive as far as addressing the glaring needs. We've seen it with wide receiver. We saw it with linebacker when he took uh, Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. So he's going to be a guy that's hyper aggressive as far as trying to fix the the huge holes on the team. So I think, like you guys said, Mike and, and Brian, you know, the tackle that's that's probably the place where they're where he's going to focus all of his resources on in in order to kind of remedy the, these holes that we had on on the roster last year. And I I'd lean that way just because you, Carrie and Chris, know this because we're we're in some Twitter. DM groups together. I just, I think they do, I don't want to say they do the same thing. I think they repeat patterns in their player acquisition strategy just because they've had so much continuity with their GMs and with um, their approach to player acquisition. I think they repeat patterns. We talked about this with the J.K. Dobbins pick, right? That number, I was like, this is Ray Rice all over again. It's the same kind of pattern. They had McGahee, they had just signed McGahee the year before. And you're thinking, all right, well, why would you draft a running back in the second round? You just signed this guy. I just felt like I didn't know who it was. I said it was going to be Clyde Edwards Alaire, so I was wrong about that. But I thought it was going to be a running back just because I think they repeat those kind of patterns. And I see the same kind of pattern happening again with center. You know, and, and it's almost down to the 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 way it happened was the same. Ryan Jensen, right? Like um, Brian laid out practice squad, IR bounce around guard, a couple other positions, his fourth year becomes starting center, hits free agency, gets a big deal. Bradley Bozeman played around a couple different positions, fourth year becomes a starting center, goes to free agency. And then they just roll that next guy, the next developmental guy who was in the pipeline. It was Bozeman before, you know, after Jensen. Skur was mixed in there too. I kind of see Cologne or Macari as the next guy in that pipeline. It just seems like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This has been a pretty solid strategy. It doesn't necessarily give us like the best guy at center, even though Jensen got paid like the best guy when he hit free agency. And Bozeman's probably going to get a decent deal too. But it just seems like that's a strategy that's worked for them. I mean, it's, I don't want to call it a strategy. It's an approach that's worked for them. Um, and I can see them doing it again. And you don't have to invest a ton of money into that position um, when you you use that approach. So that that's why I'm kind of stuck on it because I, I think yeah. they do – patterns in terms of how they approach certain things and player acquisition just because they got so many guys who grew up in this system thinking this way and like okay this is what we do so it would surprise me if they went out and paid Jensen but you never know and and for, for the record for the record if I have to pay if I have to choose between paying Jensen 13 million or paying Bozeman 8 million a year or 9 million or eight, eight and a half, whatever it is, whatever number we came up with, 
I'm leaning towards Bozeman because I'm cheap. <laughs> I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> you know, so and, and, and I'll, I'll go with that. And he's younger, too. So if we're comparing those numbers, but if Bozeman is trying to go higher than that, then that's where I would lean more towards Jensen. That's the that's the only that's my argument for it when it comes to Jensen. Sure. So I think you could sign a tackle if you can get one of those guys at a reasonable price. You certainly can still draft a tackle and should draft a tackle this year. And then I feel pretty good about it. Then I'm like, all right, at least I've got a veteran who I know can can line up at right or left tackle. I guess that's Brown if you're thinking right or left. Moses probably more right. But either way, you kind of go into the draft with a little bit more assurance of of, of what that position might look like. Um just for me, because I think, like you said, we you got centers on the roster, right? So I think that's a little bit different in terms of how you go into the draft. That's not so much of an unknown. Yeah, it's not going to be your starter from the previous year, but you've got centers on the roster. Um, tackle, they're on the roster, but you know kind of what they're saying. So uh, that's just me. That's how I would approach it. Uh, I don't know who that guy is. It might not even be either one of those two guys. Maybe some other time. Maybe it's Riley Reef or somebody. I don't know. Um, but some other kind of lower tier market uh, deal, you know, in terms of the tackle tackle market kind of guy would surprise. I know they just did it last year and it kind of didn't work out. But I'm leery, man. I'm leery about Stanley James. Yeah. And I mean, if you do, I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see within those first four rounds, you have a tackle and you have a center drafted um, for, you know, so you get that extra layer in there. Um, And if you, you know, if you get, so then if you, if you sign a free agent tackle, you've got Stanley, the free agent tackle, uh, James, a rookie, and then you've still got Macari, you know, um, now, obviously, he's a starting center. You don't. You're not worried about him being right tackle because you're not going to mess that. You're not going to mess with that. But, um, but his deal is such that he they can play him anywhere. You know, and that's and he can play anywhere. Yeah. But they, you know, they can plug and play him where where if it whatever doesn't work out so well, you know, they they can so to speak they can plug him in there. Yeah, that makes me feel better. I feel better. <laughs> I've, I've told Chris and Karen I really got spooked in 2021 by injuries. Like oh yeah! Oh gosh! Yeah, than I've ever been before. So now I'm trying to build redundancies into the redundancies at like every position. Well, that's, I mean, that's where they messed up last year. Like I said, not getting a tackle, uh, another tackle, whether it was through the draft or another veteran. I mean, that you know, that really, really hurt. Yeah, and I think I think they knew they were kind of playing with fire. And usually, if you go back and look look at their history, they always kind of play with fire with one position. Every offseason is always one that they don't quite fully address and they're kind of, you know, patching things together. It just so happens they patch this together and then the, the tire just blew <laughs> yeah. as soon as they started the car. So it's like now it's like you have some guys there, but every everybody there is a question mark all across that that depth chart is, you know, just question mark after question mark. They got one of those junkyard tires like I used to get put a new tire on this car give me a used uh, tire all of, uh, <laughs> you know mixed results you get mixed results you operate like that <laughs> so you know why we kind of I, I think we're kind of on the fence on on 
that last one, but I want to go to the market on one more guy, a guy that's kind of been bandied about on Twitter. You know, he's been, you know, been recruited by the best of the best in the Twitter space. Um, <laughs> the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. You know, he's out there. He does fit a need as far as, um, you know, bringing a guy in to have some range at safety. You know, he's a guy that can get down and, and um, cover the slide and do some things. So uh, I'll start with you, Brian, as far as um, what you see as far as a fit on the field. And then also, you know, contract wise, you know, kind of what you're thinking of as far as what we could offer a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, he is a free safety, uh, you know, a center fielder is something I've obviously lacked since, since Ed Reed. Um, and it, you know, the way they work their defense, um, the way they put their corners on islands somewhat uh, at times, you know, having that guy that can uh, make up for that mistake, uh, you know, is, is there something to be said for, or if the, you know, that guy that can get the errant pass that's thrown in the middle of nowhere because, you know, we're finally getting pressure on a quarterback and somebody who can track that down. So, I mean, I think that, that role certainly, um, you know, the past couple of years or a couple of guys in the second round who, uh, who kind of, uh, I would have loved to have had Bates. Uh, that's been four years ago now, cause he's a free agent. He's, I would assume is getting franchised uh, by the Bengals. And then uh, Holland last year had a great year for Miami. Uh, and he, well, he was a guy that wasn't really up there as it was one of the top safeties, but he seemed like he was more of a third or fourth round guy. And then he, uh, he went early in the second, I think Miami took him pretty early. So, um, good on them. I mean, they, they, because he, he played great and he, he made us look horrible. I mean, he was all over the field against us. That was for sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's a spot. I mean, the only, the only worry about Matthew is he's on the wrong side of 30, um, but his safeties, you know, uh, you know, we've seen it, obviously Reed played well into his thirties. Woodson was back there in his thirties, you know, um, to lesser results, you know, Weddle obviously did very well, uh, this past year, this, this three weeks this past year, I guess we'll say. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, then it's just a question of, of money and he's going to command a lot. Um, and I think that's probably why Kansas city is not going to, uh, uh, try to get him back as they just with every with their other big contracts, it just doesn't make sense. So, is he 15 million on average? Um, certainly, I mean, he's going to push that at least. It could go higher, I think. Um, it depends, obviously, depends on the bidding war. Um, what we've done so far, you could make that fit, you know. I mean, they've got based on what we've said, and assuming they make, you know, they. You know, it's obviously getting Pete now. If they get if they get Lamar done, you know, there's no you got no worries. Um, and I, you know, I don't think we cut anybody unreasonably. And you know, obviously, getting Peters done would be is a big help in that cap space. But if they can accomplish those things, um, I, they I think they can get him. You know, and six, 15, 16 million a year seems like probably the sweet spot. Uh, for him, maybe maybe it's a little. Maybe he's wanting a little more. You know, will the Ravens go that high for a safety uh, on the wrong side of thirty? I don't know about that, but you know, um, I, I think if I think, I mean, he they wanted him. You know, they wanted him two years ago, three years ago. 
Um, and unfortunately, we got the consolation prize, which is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, and that's you know that's another factor in this too is his he, that his thing has not been settled, um, and potentially they have ten million on the hook there. Now, given everything that's happened, and he hasn't played again, and you know the rumors of all the issues he's got going on, uh, I, you know I don't think I. I and everything that happened, I think that's going to be a settlement. And I, I don't, you know, it could be a couple million. I don't think the 10 million is a concern for them. Um, if fingers crossed, of course. Um, so, I mean, you know, that they got, they have space for that to deal with something like that. Um, I don't think that, I don't think the PA wants to defend him on that when half of his teammates were saying they wanted him gone. Um, and they don't want to set a precedent of, yes, if, if the player does this, this and this, you can void as guarantees. I think they'd rather be a settlement and have no precedent for that to right. be for some, another player to rely on. You can't rely on a settlement, but yeah. if, 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 if he gets, if, if the Ravens were to win that grievance, I think that sets a bad precedent for all players and the PA doesn't want that. But so, um, so sorry about that tangent, but <laughs> so I think, <laughs> so the safety we wanted then and didn't get, I think uh, I don't see any reason we wouldn't want him want him now too yeah Chris hard, what do you hard think to argue hard to argue against the honey badger uh, I mean he he feels like uh, one of those guys who a little bit later in their careers uh, but become available through some means whether it's free agency whether it's trade whether it's been on offense or defense he just feels like one of those guys who uh, is a Ravens kind of player, right? Just his mentality, the way he plays yeah. the game, how aggressive he is, how passionate he is about the game, how competitive he is. He feels like a Raven to me. Um, like he would just come in and fit right in to their culture. Cause I think he's all about ball. I don't think, you know, there's, we found out later that Earl had a variety of different things going on. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think Tyron is, is, is maybe into, into some of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, w- I would love it. I mean, I know there's mixed stuff. I've heard different people out there say, eh, you know, he kind of did some of the, you know, the playmaking stuff towards the earlier part of the year and kind of tailed off a little bit in the end. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, you know, and I know I've, uh, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, Denard Melton, at Denard Melton on Twitter, uh, Fire Zone Show, shout out. Uh, and he actually said, in his opinion, safety is like a really high need for him. I think she said out of their needs, you know, we talked about offensive line, talked about defensive line. Uh, but he said safety was like his top priority. Because um, he says, you know, just getting some kind of playmaker back there in the secondary is just something yeah. they really, really missed. And if you can go out and find that guy, and I don't think he was necessarily saying the Honey Badger was that guy, but <laughs> he was saying his safety. Um, he had an interesting thought, actually. He said, you know, what if you, you roll out Brandon Stevens and Geno Stone back there draft a safety somewhere in the top three, four rounds that you like. Um, move Chuck to like that star position that Jalen Ramsey kind of plays, that kind of slot nickel kind of position. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I it. That's interesting. Uh, but I think if you got a chance to get a guy who, who's got playmaking instincts, and I think the Honey Badger definitely has those. Um, I mean, I think you shoot that shot if you can make it work financially. 
Well, they haven't they haven't been shy about signing safeties for over the years with different and and paying them you know pretty handsomely with whether it was Jefferson or Weddle or Weddle was a little less, um, but and and certainly Thomas was a big contract. So you know. Um, it makes a little gun shy though, doesn't it? <laughs> because they, they, all, they all came with you know name recognition, and none of them really worked out exactly as well as you would have hoped. Um, so uh, I guess that's getting you know Jefferson was not on the downside. The other two, I guess, were on more on the back end of their careers. But um, so, but yeah, I mean, I you know he he seems like the right fit. Yeah, I, I like the fit uh, of the player. You know, he come in and, and like Mike said, he basically has that Ravens DNA like you see with Marcus Peters. Like, you know, once they traded for Marcus Peters, it's like, yeah, that guy's a Raven. And it's the same thing with Matthew. Uh, the only thing I'm hung up on is the price tag. Uh, that's that's pretty hefty for, you know, a guy that's 30 years old. Um Hasn't really been the healthiest guy. Like he's always one of those guys that's just banged up, and he's he's on the smaller side uh, as far as safeties are concerned. So that that is something to to keep in mind uh, going forward with him being in his thirties now. Um, but as far as just the players concerned, I, I love fit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can make arguments on both sides. I mean, if you're looking at free agency or looking at safety, a guy that you've mentioned, Chris, um, and one the chats, Justin Reed is a guy that's out there that, you know, could be a, a facsimile of, of what Honey Badger brings to the table. And, you know, we are all the biggest advocates of these young defensive backs on the roster, whether it be Brandon Stevens, whether it be Geno Stone, uh, you know, just go down a list of the guys that were in camp or Darius Washington. I think we all – um, have a great deal of confidence in, in the, the talent that these guys bring to the table. Uh, and But like you said, you know, uh, Honey Badger is just a guy that, that, that just really just fits, but that, that price tag seems like a lot. So, Yeah, um, and like you said with, with Justin Reed, you know, he's a younger guy. He's only 25 years old, um, and he's a true center field safety. Yeah. So if, you know, he's younger, it's going to be cheaper, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I feel like they, they would want to explore and, and compare as far. I mean, he's not the playmaker that Honey Badger is because what he's done since he's came into the league has just been rare. You know, right. there, there aren't many guys who can do that, but um, there, there are other options that, that are cheaper and, and younger. Yeah. Mike, he's got a relationship. Go, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What did, what, what did PFF put on uh, Honey Badger's uh Annual salary. Do you remember? Tell you right now, they put uh, three years, sixteen point two five AAV. Yeah. Uh, so it's sixteen. Yeah, point seven five guaranteed, forty eight point seven five total. Yeah, Ooh. so that that's sixteen. Yeah, that's uh, and that that's that's on three years, and I get the three years given his age, but that's that's another one that would be hard because you can't get that first year cap number down very far without pushing those last two years through the roof. Um, so that, that's a deal that, you know, you can, obviously they can play with it, but that's a deal that probably is, is hard for the Ravens to match, especially if, if for some reason he only wants three years, you know, and he wants another shot at the Apple, you know, three years from now. Yeah. yeah, yeah the that's thing I had about Justin Reed was he does have that relationship with Anthony Weaver. Uh, Anthony Weaver was DC. Yeah. 
the Texans for that for a year there. I mean, he was defensive line coach, but he was a DC his, his last year there. So, you know, he's got that familiarity, and you know, yeah, you know, there's there's always a little bit I think of a of a recruitment element with oh, these yeah. guys got relationships with them and that kind of thing. So that's that's something maybe uh to consider as well. And just one day just talking about safeties. I, I think I might I'm getting old. So maybe I forgot. Maybe we did talk about this guy. But did we talk about Deshaun Elliott? Or we were just like, hey, he's Oh yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about picture. Him. Yeah, I, I, I kind of mentioned him a little and just said that, <laughs> okay. you know, he it's as a you know, he might be a guy they can get back just because of all the injuries. But then that's another question of do you want him back because of all the injuries? But I don't think anybody's going to outbid them for him. Um, you know, I think he's got to take a one-year deal somewhere, and it's not. I don't think it's going to be much. But you know, I think it's the same problem they've had the last couple of years is that similarity between he and Chuck Clark, and you don't have that center fielder. So does uh, did PFF have something on Reed? Was he in their top one hundred? Uh, he's a little bit lower down the list. Uh, he is. They have him down ooh, more than a little bit lower. They have him down at ninety. Uh, they're actually pretty low on him. Um, they they've got him listed as like a spot starter, death piece at safety. So they don't even see him as a starter. But they've got him at three years, seven million, yeah. thirteen point five guaranteed, twenty one total. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're pretty down on him. But I, you know, I, I everybody has different opinions. Sure. About oh, him. sure. Yeah. yeah. And how they feel about that. So take you know take that for what it's worth. Yeah, so it might be a nice ballo ballo kind of flyer. See if you can you know tap into some of that because I mean projecting him to a different system and just a more stable environment than he was in Houston. You know you never know. You know something could click. Like you said, he's only only twenty five. So yeah. I mean, who who played, thought that Darius Smith was going to go out and have thirteen sacks? You know, the year after he left. I mean, I, wow. even the biggest Zadarius fan, I don't think thought that was going to happen. <laughs> I loved him. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I actually had to write him up for uh, scouting academy when I was doing that uh, when he was going into his free agent year, and it was it was coming off the year where he he had been hurt the year before. And then he came back another year and he kind of had like a lower sack number than he did his rookie year. And I was like, no, but it, it, it's there. I'm like, if you dig into the film, you can mm-hmm. see it. But I didn't see 13. I'm not no, saying that. No. I'm just saying you can see that ability. But the other thing with Justin Reed, De, uh, DeAnton Lynn, who was a, he was a secondary coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he knows Weaver. He knows Lynn. Uh, you know, the age is is definitely beneficial. The price tag mm-hmm. looks like it would be beneficial. I think Chris is probably on to something that he usually is. Uh, with that call, I, I, you might see a fit there for sure. So I say we're going to go ahead and close it out here. We we leave with about $10 million left in space. You know how I like to dabble with um, players that get released by other teams. So I'm going to hold on to that cash, uh, you know, see who hits the market. But, you know, I, all in all, I thank all you guys for um, – what you contributed to this. I think it was a really fun exercise. I came into it just really more or less trying to learn and just get a feel and, you know, see how these things play out as opposed to going in, oh, we got to get this guy, we got to get that guy. kind of wanted to see how it, everything plays out. And uh, I'll just go around the room for just uh, overall thoughts. For me personally, it just, man, Digging these couch cushions, man, trying to find some money, man, because it, it, it's tight around here. <laughs> so, but I'll start with you, Brian, just your overall big picture thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, it is it is tight. They they have the ability to make some space. Um, DaCosta made one. There was one comment he had uh, about how the cap had gone back and how um, they did not have the, the cap space this year to go out and fix a problem in midseason or attempt to fix a problem. Uh, they did it with Peters. They tried with Nagakwe. Um, you know, so, but because, because of all the injuries and, and that, you know, all the cap that took up, they didn't have that extra amount. So when we talk about in our little exercise, there's 10 million there. Well, you know, maybe some of that is, 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 is held in place so that they can make that move. So if, I don't know that there was a tackle that was going to be available, but they could make a trade for somebody, uh, you know, uh, one of my pet peeves is the Ravens are you know, we hear they're, they're cheap or, or they're not aggressive. Well, I mean, when they went to get Peters, he cost them $6 million in the middle of the season. Uh, when they went to get Nagakwe, it was something along those same lines. So, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's not being cheap or, or not aggressive. Right. That's, that's going out and addressing now. Ozzy never made those kind of deals. He, I mean, he, I guess Monroe, he picked up midseason, but that was the only midseason deal he ever made. And certainly, you know, DaCosta seems to be, uh, more, you know, more willing to be aggressive and take chances. So it would be, it's nice to have not just your, you know, your extra space for injuries going into the season, but now because the trade deadline seems to be a little more active than it used to be. It's not certainly not like baseball, but, um, or basketball, but, you know, it, it's having that ability to, you know, to go and fix a, a glaring problem in midseason. I mean, when they got Peters, everything changed, you know, that year. Yeah. It really did. Um, and there were some other small moves as well, but you know, so that's something that you know we keep when we talk about cap space. Not a bad idea to have that little extra there as well for that. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say I'll, I'll go next. That that's something I've definitely learned um, just listening to Brian and listening to you other guys talk about this. Is is um, you know not wanting to be caught in that situation again. You know, like like they were last year. I know a lot of that was not not their own doing per se. I mean, nobody expected to be hit as hard as they were um, with injuries. But I think, I think you can, those years as, as tough as they are, especially the way it ended. Uh, I think you can learn a ton from those kinds of seasons uh, just in terms of, you know, your, your roster construction, how you manage different things. We've already seen they're going to adjust their, their training program, you know, at least from a personnel standpoint. Um, I think you can learn a ton from those kinds of years and, and just this exercise. And then Brian talking just a minute ago about some of those moves that they made in season under DaCosta. It's, it, it really kind of has been funny to me, like, especially with the Rams winning the Super Bowl and, you know, this whole conversation about, oh, they don't go all in like less need when you think about these moves. Right. I mean, now you can go player from player. You can compare player to player and say, okay, well, you know, Jalen Ramsey versus Marlon Peters or, uh, Von Miller versus Ngakwe, or you know, you can do all that all you want, but he did go out and try to acquire high level talent at premium positions in the season, right? Because he felt that they would help the team win. So, this whole thing about they don't go all in, they have a conservative approach, I, I think they're trying to win the Super Bowl every year, <laughs> and I think yeah. they do yeah. whatever they can to try to do it. And I think, if anything, to your point, um, Brian. Eric is more aggressive, is probably a little bit more aggressive along those lines than even Ozzy was. So, you know, that whole thing has kind of been funny to me. Yeah. And I think most people, hey, Brian, you, you probably understand this better than most people. I think most people who, who study the cap and look at the cap 
would probably not recommend what the Rams have done. Oh, no. <laughs> it paid off. It worked out. But it doesn't seem sustainable. Right. Yeah, and how, how many examples of those are, are there in history where teams who push all the chips in, how many examples of those end up panning out? I mean, we've seen the Saints do it. We've seen Green Bay do it. And, yeah, they've gone to the playoffs, but they don't have the rings to show for it as far as pushing all their chips in the way the Rams did. So it's, it's not like this is the blue, This is the new blueprint. Everybody has to follow it. You know, there are different ways to win. There are different ways to construct a Super Bowl winning roster. And I, I think people should not be prisoners of the moment and realize that there are multiple ways to construct a Super Bowl winning roster. And a lot of it comes down to luck and health at the end yeah. of the day. So, you know, obviously luck and health definitely was not on the Ravens' side, but you cannot say that they don't have the talent because even with those injuries, they were still in prime position to be a, a playoff team. And that's a testament to the coaches and also, you know, the scouting department and Eric DaCosta for constructing such a deep roster that is able to compete week, week in and week out despite not having multiple pro bowlers, all pro players, and then – Throw the last month of the season not having Lamar, you know. So, uh, yeah, there's it, it, multiple ways to do it, folks. Multiple ways to do it. It's not just one one cookie cutter way, and that's it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, the way the Rams did. I mean, the, the margins they are incredibly thin. You know, they're they're a team that they couldn't afford to absorb a quarter of the injuries that the Ravens did, and and still do what they did you know, winning, winning the Super Bowl. They, they just didn't have the depth to withstand uh, that. And, you know, luckily they stayed healthy and they were able to pull it out. But, you know, kudos to them. Uh, uh, I think Brian Winhurst says this, so, uh, and he talks about it in basketball. Uh, you know, winning a championship means you never have to say you're sorry. And I get that. And they won't have to say they're sorry. But, you know, Four years down the line when McVay is a stay-at-home dad at 40 and not coaching anymore and, you know, their their cap is in shambles and they don't have any picks, then, you know, <laughs> we'll be having a different conversation. That head coach will be saying they're sorry. They'll be All right, so yeah, we're gonna close it out here again. Thank you guys for checking us out. Like, rate, subscribe, and uh, we'll be back during the all season with more um, great content for you. And um, we'll catch you on the other side. Yep. See you. <laughs>